For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all. Great news yesterday morning with um, the uh, arrival of the key or the handing over of the key to John O'Donnell for his uh, new home in Madness Buildings. It's nice to see the papers picking up on that story this morning. Lots of lovely colour photographs. The Echo has it, the Examiner has it and the Independent has it as well. The Irish Independent, Paddy O'Brien photographed on the front of the Echo with John as he turns the key in the front door in Madden's buildings. It's a wonderful story, having spent all of his life um, since he was a very young man uh, working in an abattoir, uh, doing a double shift, work by day. He was the caretaker by night and he slept there for many, many decades. So it's a lovely, lovely story. Man who lived in a slaughterhouse fights back the tears about his new home, says Ralph Regal in this morning's uh, Independent. And again, lovely photograph, beautiful blue door envious of the colour of the door, beautiful door, and in the coming weeks, uh, of course John will move on. But there's more to this story, um, because it all started here on this programme at the start of the year, um, and many people then yesterday wanted to come and help uh, to kit out um, and to put into the little home in Madden's Buildings everything that John will need. So I'll tell you more about that list in a few minutes' time, but thank you so much to the, the as usual, generosity of people on Leaside. Fair play to you all. Uh, we, we roll on, or at least the issues regarding firefighting services. These are firefighters who want the best for the public. These are firefighters that want people to be safe, whether they're people on call-out working for the fire service or full-time in different fire service stations. And, of course, one of the big issues here is the problems with regards to a closed station, as an example, in Balancholic. So what they are doing, really, and, uh, you know, the warning of industrial action or the protesting at the end of shift is all about public safety. Um, I'm saying that. Mind you, the front of the echo picks up on the very same theme, where they're saying it's not about money. It's about safe crewing for us and for the people of Cork. That's a front pager making the echo today. And a lot of crime and criminality. Where would you be going without it in the Cork courts? There's always something weird going on uh, and something strange. One of them involves a 50-year-old man who threatened a Garda. He says to her that her uniform wouldn't protect her. And he said that he'd do six years in prison for her. It's the kind of stuff that our guardy have to put up with when they come across people who are misbehaving. So <laughs> his misbehaviour now, Olin Keller was in good form yesterday in court. He, uh, with regards to sentencing anyway, he gave 12 months to the Cork District Court for the threat against the Garda. And another incident where the same character spat in the general direction of a Garda and called her a whore and a prostitute, a fellow called Paul McCarthy. Um, there were other offences which you won't even bother going into this day. It was stealing a load of kegs from outside pubs and what have you, but he got 12 months yesterday. Uh, another story then is a fellow who um, uh, apparently was breaking into a house at four o'clock in the morning and when he was, when he was later arrested by Garda, he says, I, I was only letting the dog out. Your Honour, I was only letting the dog out, Garda. Anyway, he was questioned about an attempted burglary at four o'clock in the morning, that's what he said. But Timmy O'Shea uh, from Mahan, uh, and uh, of no fixed address, then pleaded guilty uh, to that and, and other crimes. Apparently, uh, he was before Olin Keller yesterday, and he was got a jail term as well. He got ten months, um, and it happened uh, out in the Borean Manor Road area. Apparently, originally, he got into a car, and he stole the keys. Don't know how that happened. Um, keys in a car? Doesn't make sense to me, but that's what it was. Who leaves keys in a car? But anyway, into the car, um, stole keys, and then tried to use those keys to get into the house. He ran away then. 
when he couldn't get in and was arrested hours later in the Blackrock area. I guess somebody called the guards in the road quickly. Mind you, I see Donegal O'Leary this morning makes the echo because one of part of his patch, of course, is the Greater Mahan area. Mahan's getting bigger and bigger all of the time. You've got more and more people living down there than, say, five years ago, ten years ago. And I can tell you, 99% more people living down there now than there was 25 years ago. I can tell you that for nothing. But yet we have less Gardaí in the Mahan area. So there are 17 guards stationed in Mahan. Uh, did you know that in 2009, it was 31? So nearly half as many Gardaí uh, on the beat in Mahan. And it's they're enormously stretched down there. So when, when people criticise slow Garda time, those 17 Gardaí are not on duty all at the same time. You got shift patterns involved there. Uh, so uh, Donna Colera says the fact that there's uh, half as many Gardaí uh, as 2009 is just remarkable. He says there have been challenges in the Mahan area. There's been antisocial behaviour. There's been criminal damage. Apparently, one of the big issues regarding criminal damage down there is because there are so many different sporting codes who have pitches and clubhouses down there, um, and they get damaged, for want of a better term, criminal damage. Ring Mahan Rangers, um, Ballinur GAA, St. Michael's GAA. So that's a story that makes the echo today. So quite an amount of uh, local stories of importance this morning. Mind you, very alarming story involving a guard who's uh, being prosecuted in the courts now. Um, I mean, no matter what way you look in this, there, there was a tragic loss of life because he, he was he was following a well-known, a Tala-based criminal gang, apparently, who were driving down the wrong way. Um, and he was in pursuit. Now, their vehicle, which was a BMW, crashed head-on into a, into a truck. I think the truck driver was badly hurt as well, and it burst into flame, and flames, and, and they all died. He's in court now, accused of dangerous driving uh, and endangerment of life in connection with that incident, and uh, that's a court case that will go on for quite some time. It'll be very interesting because the guard is named, but his home address is not given, and he goes in and out a back door, you're very careful about things like that with regards to members of Angarda Shikona. Um, oh, interestingly as well, um, I, I see that all of the papers this morning are dominated on their front page uh, by Ryan Tuberty. And these stories love to go off in their own different twists and they like to navigate down different different routes. And the latest one now, uh, since yesterday's uh, committee hearing, uh, is the future of Ryan Tuberty, where many of the papers are saying that he, he won't be able to come back and that his future will be outside of RTE and that his return to RTE is unlikely. That's an analysis piece by uh, Kirsty Blake Knox in this morning's Independent. But the front pagers, um, the mirror this morning says, point of no right turn. That's kind of a weak and watery red top headline, but there it is nonetheless. Impossible for Tuberty to be back on air because the boss, the um, the interim uh, attorney general, said this yesterday. I got the impression that he was saying that for now. The paper seemed to think it's forever, uh, as in no way of coming back. Um, uh, now, Tuberty's future makes this morning's independence front page because they say that he is now in serious doubt. Even the mail, they all seem to be going down this because you need to always look for a new angle to a story. Um, and the front page of the mail this morning says, no way back for Tuberty. You may have heard yesterday uh, that Patrick Kilty is okay about having his salary published and we should know what he'll get for the gig um, to present the Late Late Show in the autumn. 
by the end of the week. I'm not so sure that Patrick Keelty had any say in this matter because it's public money and it's taxpayers' money, so it was going to be published anyway. But in the climate that we're living in right now, it probably would as well to know right now. So that's another kind of a sub-story. They call it Brass Necks in the front of the star this morning. Um, I, I, I watched quite an amount of it yesterday because I thought we'd be maybe talking about it at some stage today. I recorded it, so it was a flick-through parts of it as well. Some, some of the questioners were quite weak. I thought there was an awful lot of them, probably too many. Um, some of the, the answers were far from credible. It, it's hard to believe that everybody that was there from RT yesterday just did their own thing, kept their head down and actually didn't ask any questions. But that was most definitely the impression that I came away with uh, yesterday while watching much of it, that if the DG said it was OK, uh, you, didn't, um, you didn't question it, as in I always got the impression that D Forbes ran her own kind of fiefdom and that what she said was law and nobody questioned it and if it was okay with her then just get on with the job. Uh, Not perhaps the best way to run a huge corporation uh, that is involved in uh, public money. But Renault, I mean, you've got to wonder, is it it Renault and uh, is it Renault that are running RTE? Because we certainly get the impression uh, from their dealings with the commercial division of RTE that would seem to be the case. Or or indeed, is is it Renault um, and um, and the uh, agent of many of the top paying stars at RT, Noel Kelly, is running RT because they certainly um, seem to be bowing over backwards to facilitate the agent and indeed the talent, as they like to call them, uh, and indeed Renault. So not only did um, you know RT give Renault seventy five thousand euro in credit notes and what have you, they also paid for the gigs that Renault put on, which. Brian Tuberty then attended one of them down here in Cork. And that came in at under just under €50,000. So Renault said, we want events as well. And RT said, fine. And Renault said, and we want you to pay for it. And RT said, fine. So it goes on and on and on. Uh, Mario Rosenstock has come out and said uh, that uh, Ryan Tuberty deserves to survive this crisis. He says, I'm as fed up. He says, he says, peed off. Uh, about the whole thing. He says, I'm peed off about the license fee. I'm peed off about how RT have handled all of this. And I'm peed off watching repeats of uh, Mrs. Brown's boys in the middle of July. But he says, Ryan is fundamentally a decent person. He's old school. And I think he dropped the ball on this one. He got bad advice. So many of the papers this morning, of course, are dominated by this. Uh, and if they think they got questioned tough yesterday, wait till this afternoon before they get the, before the Eroctus Committee. That's when the real heavy guns will come out, I suppose. Uh, so we'll have to watch that. That one with interest as well. You know, um, you, you see all too often people filming tragedy or people filming accidents or rubbernecking as they go past a crash or whatever. Uh, but there was a lad who died on a jet ski there not too long ago. And his family now have come out and said that it's absolutely scurrious, scur- scurrilous even, that bystanders filmed him struggling for his life and then posted the video footage of him struggling for his life in his final moments Online, And his mom says, his foster mom, Sandra, says uh, they were stunned in the days following the tragedy to see footage appear on TikTok of his struggle in the water. She says, what kind of a person films someone drowning instead of doing something, throwing a life boy and then to share it on social media? Did they even think uh, how that would make the family feel? Uh, so that's an awful story, but that's the society that we live in. Who does film things like that and share them then for clicks? What's the story with Madonna? Uh, she was found unresponsive yesterday um, and apparently is suffering from a serious infection. She's in hospital now. I think everything will be fine. And she got the medical intervention that she needed, but it's the front page of The Sun today. Madge Intensive 
Care Dash. And talking of dashing, more people are getting fed up of e-scooters. Boy, I saw a fella. I don't know how these things work. This is a guy on an e-bike yesterday on the Douglas Road. He was, like, I have an electric bike, but I have to pedal it. But this guy wasn't doing any pedaling, but he did have pedals. But he must have been doing, I don't know, 40 kilometres an hour going up the Douglas Road and completely effortlessly. But it was a bike nonetheless. So I'm wondering, how does that work? Does it actually have a power motor in it as opposed to power assist in some of these bikes? I want one of them. I want one of them. Uh, but apparently we've less and less chance of uh, getting um, those kind of bikes or e-scooters. Certainly the e-scooters are causing a big problem because more and more people want them off the road. And there's research out this morning saying that more men than women want scooters to be fully banned in Ireland. And a quarter of us thought, well, if they're going to be around, they need to pay tax and insurance regardless that they need to be contributing to our roads. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, sometimes you see them going along at a right old clip and you think, my God, like what kind of an engine have they got in those? Um, there are other European countries who are also doing likewise, looking at some kind of rule and regulation when it comes to uh, e-scooters. They're very handy. I mean, I had to go into town um, the day before yesterday, twice I do. I have no phone. I've had no phone for three days. There's a lot of good sides to having no phone, but you really do need one to stay connected, particularly if you're trying to, trying to work for a living. But um, two days now I've, I've been going in and out of town seeing if it's ready and it's not they don't know what's wrong with it I don't get it uh, but on the first day uh, I went into my car the only thing that was on my head is I only need to go into town to drop in a phone to three on Dawn Square and to come away again um, but you're thinking where am I going to park like I'll go into Q Park it'll cost me three euro sixty that's fine um, but that's all you think about is like you know like how long, how long is it going to take before I can find somewhere to park uh, will I find somewhere to park? I just want to drop off a phone. In the old days, you could double park. <laughs> the old days, you could put on your hazards and in you go and job is done. Uh, I did, incidentally, I did, I don't know, the gods were looking down. I got a park and a, and a space um, on um, the Grand Parade. But then I realised that I didn't have a phone because my phone was broken, so I couldn't use Park Magic, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing how your life comes to a complete standstill particularly in things like this. So therefore, I, have, and I can't get a parking disc anyway. I don't know who even sells parking discs anymore. So I'm saying, oh my God, I can't pay my two euro ten or whatever. So I ran instead. Right? And came back. Thank God I didn't get any um, and parking fine or anything like that. So I just got lucky. And yesterday then went in on my push bike, which was a much better way to do it on the electric bike. And again, went in to pick it up and it still wasn't ready. So hopefully... Today will be the day when they solve the uh, third secret of Fatima as to what's wrong with Prendival's phone. Anyway, there's all that and lots more besides. One of the stories that I really love this morning is the best chat-up lines. So I want to hear, guys, your best chat-up lines. The cornier, the better. Some of them go way back. Uh, Like I was saying to Claire this morning, did you ever hear the one, get your coat? She says, no. Uh, Different generation to me, now get it. Get your coat, no. She says, is that a chat-up line? No, I said, no, it's not. But get your coat, you've pulled, is a chat-up line. Um, they are quite corny, very, aren't they? Very different to, I'll get my coat, which is when you made an awful joke. And then you have to say, I'll get my coat, I'm on the way out. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry, I'm gone. I know it was that bad, I need to leave. Oh, that's the get-out-of-jail card. Yeah, when yeah. She, when she looks at you or he looks at you. Well, it's kind of that's kind of a man chat-up line, is it? Get your coat, you've pulled. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, another one is uh, where your parents trains because you're on rail. Um, oh God, they are shocking. How about this one that makes the papers this morning? Is your name Wi-Fi? Because I'm feeling a connection. Oh, for God's sake. There's another kind of techie one, actually, if I could find it. Is your name Google? Because you're what I've been searching for. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. 
Uh, do you really think does anybody actually think any of these work I guarantee it I'd love actually to hear from people who are now in like settled relationships or potentially even married for decades over a chat up line Um, I've heard you know that that kind of class the the typical one is like you know um, if I could rearrange the alphabet I'd put you and I together Um, somebody says there's something wrong with my cell phone it doesn't have your number in it cell phone mobile do you uh, have Do you have a name or can I call you mine? <laughs> <laughs> this is joking. Oh my god. Uh, uh, some of these should are we like get a coffee. I I like you a latte. <laughs> oh no. If you were a transformer you'd be Optimus fine. <laughs> are you on loan? You've got my interest. <laughs> are you on, are back you in on the day, loan? Back in the day you get a dog for that. <laughs> There's some uh, I, I remember back uh, Years ago There used to be some I can't, I can't take them out now But some fantastic f- Football ones as well Where they'd be rig- Really related to a certain player It'd be really funny Like the different traits Of different players So if you're into that kind of thing Hilarious do you, do you, Totally you, lost On okay, the vast majority Just of the off population. the top of my head Do you fancy me Or am I just being messy <laughs> Oh no Oh, I just, no. I just made that up. Oh, no. Not bad for a... For a for All right, a, okay, yeah. let's get people texting. I'd love you. to hear the, if the, from, from women as well about their... The worst chat-up lines they've received from and, men. And the, and the worst chat-up rebuttal as well. Oh, yeah. Like, like you say, <laughs> get your coat you've pulled, and she says, the tide wouldn't take you out. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I've heard of... Um, What's what's I've heard of women saying um, I wouldn't get on him to get over a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get up on him to get I over a wall. To go <laughs> for, for a wall. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. Favorite chat up lines, lads. Text 0868104106. It's always important to go back and update on stories. I'm a big fan of going back to see how things worked out. And yesterday morning on the air, Martin, the taxi driver, picked up a fare at Vienna Wood around about 10 past 8 in the morning young fella promised to pay when he got to passage Martin waited outside the house for 10 minutes then decided to go in and met a couple of friendly uh, mastiffs inside there went upstairs and your man is unconscious inside in the bed so he decided to wait called the guardie and that's where we left the story yesterday Martin's back on air Martin good morning morning Neil okay I haven't missed anything by way of the backstory. your man is comatose inside in the bed um, you called the guardie and wait what happened yeah, look, in fairness to Gary, um, we're, we're, we're very good. They, they, they kept in touch. They rang about three times, but I decided to... Um, they, they said they were held up in a, an accident in Douglas, and um, uh, I, at 11 o'clock, I decided to move on. Um, but I had a meter running the whole time. Could so they have I, gone in, though, in a, a matter like that, I wonder? I don't know. I don't know. But... Right. Um, I, I, um, you ran the I meter while you were there. Okay. I left the meter was there the whole time, and when there was seventy or up in the meter, uh, I just decided to go at eleven o'clock. There was seventy or up in the meter, and um, and um, I, I I went away, took 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 more jobs, walked away, and I I, 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 I rang the guards and I just, just told them, look, um, I rang the talk of your conversation, and they were dealing with it, and they said, um, I, I I told them that I'm after leaving there now, and. Uh, as his mother was after agreeing to pay me. How did that um, come about that the ma'am said she'd pay you? Um, I was able to get the phone number off the young fella yeah. after about five goes. He, he missed, he only gave me five digits. Yeah, so you were saying that he was just half asleep yeah, yeah, but you got yeah, the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, about five, about five, five goes, about five different numbers I had to ring. Okay. And eventually he got it right. And um, 
she said she'd pay. I said, look, otherwise it would be mad for the guards. So the guards, um, the guards said, look, if you, if you have trouble, get in. In fairness, they were very good. When I rang them and said I was after leaving the area, and um, and it, it, it was okay that the, the 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 guy's mother was after agreeing to pay it, and um, they said fine. And if you still have trouble, come back to us and we'll open the case again. Good case stuff. Closed. Good stuff. So I went back at, at six thirty. I walked away, and I went back at six thirty. And his father was his mother was not home from work, and I got my money um, from uh, it was either that or I said uh, look I, I showed him the seventy euro. 70 or um, uh, receipt and I got my 70 euro right and okay end the story and and end the story I had to make a stand I had to make a stand okay if, so the dad, the dad, dad was happy to, to pay it turned out to be a very expensive trip for the family from Vienna Woods and Glanmire all the way to Passage um, well I wouldn't lo- I wouldn't look at it like that I mean I could have saved that young fellas I'm not I, I don't want to be a f- sound as if I, I'm Sorry. a hero f- here right. okay, okay. Damage. Yeah. but uh like he was in a bad state he and was. he was staggering along the main road from the other woods into Glenmore yeah could have been hit by a car really yeah lately. Look, look, I think this was a very favourable outcome anyway for everyone. And you probably said that to the family, did you? Listen, I did, it wasn't I did, like, I yeah. did, I did. I just wanted to take a stand and I did it for all taxi drivers. And what was the and response from your colleagues in the taxi in the taxi business? Have they been in touch? I, I, I got a few, I got a few phone calls right and they said, well done, they said, well done. They said, well done, there's no harm to, to highlight that. And um, it'll just let people know, look, that we're not going to put up, we're not going to put up with runners that easy, do you know? Yeah, and hopefully the message will go out there that not all taxi drivers are going to take it lying exactly. down and willingly, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, all right. Neil, Neil can I just as a man there, Happy could out. I just, um, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Frank Welsh in the Harbour Bar, he's 50 today and there's a big night out tonight, all drinks, he's the owner of the Harbour Bar. In Passage, isn't Cove. it? No, Roberts Cove. Oh, Robert's sorry, Cove. it's the Harbour Lights in Passage. Okay, the Harbour yeah, Bar yeah. in Roberts Cove. Harbour Did Bar, you Robert's mention Cove. free drinks? He's, he, well, I, we're, we're, we're pushing for free drinks anyway. You're welcome to come down if you like. Yeah. Hammer Bear, Robert's Cove. Okay. He's 50, is that? He's only a young yeah. fella. He's only a young fella, yeah. Right. Okay, Neil. Okay. Have a All great right. night tonight. Enjoy yourself. And thanks for Thank the update. You. Appreciate Thank it, Martin. Stay safe. Let me stay with the phone lines. Text 0868 104 106. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? It says that you feel exactly like Martin waiting for his money. Why? Yeah, well, I applaud him anyway. First of all, for waiting and 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 looking for what he's paid, what he's owed. You know, he um, was patient and he waited and he went back and he got it in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I've been patient now for a while as well. Um, I suppose you have a bit of my background there. Um, I left the defence forces uh, late last year after twenty-one uh, years of service. Well, and plus, yeah, I did over that. Um, no, I love this. I enjoyed my career. I had a great time with friends I made for life, you know. Yeah. But um, basically, when you leave, you wait for your pension and stuff, and and you wait for your gratuity payment, which I was told would get before Christmas, which was okay, and I got it, and I helped out the family and stuff. And um, what's a gratuity payment? Had you after twenty-one years of service, did you retire? Is it? Um, not by choice, Neil. Okay, were you one, were you were you physically unwell? Was that the the reason? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so to make a long story short, um, I was told by the pension section in Renmore that the the grit the grat rates 
were increased, they were updated, but they won't be applied until 2023, the first quarter, because of the, the budget, um, the annual budget for the Department of Defence. Um, so I received the old rates of pay and I was told in the first quarter of 2023 I'll get the, the back pay as such. Um, now, it's not even about the money need, it's about just, I feel the whole country is just like, it's it's in a sham. It's like they're just they forget about the the, the little people and and then the people that are owed money. You know what I mean? Trying yeah. to make how much are you? Money. So how much are you actually owed upon retirement? Um, well, they work it out, and I'm probably waiting on close to a thousand euros now at this stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but and you were it, told you'd have got that in the first quarter of the year, which would have been January, February, March. Well, this is almost July. Yeah, it's going into July now. But what what my gripe is, it, there's hundreds of defence forces personnel up and down the country in the same boat, men, women, that have left or have gone, you know, their time was up or whichever, and they've left and they're just waiting on money. Like, But then I, I see in January there the Secretary General of the Department of Defence and she's in a nice little photo with... Um, a CEO of Sale Train in Ireland on a magazine called Afloat.ie. Yeah, why, why is that significant? Uh, because they gave them a grant. They're a, they're a charity. No, that's great. Give give the charities and stuff. But they gave €150,000 of a grant from the Department of Defence to the Sale Train in Ireland. Ah, uh, yeah, but at the same time, they won't pay you and others like you, the money but that's they owed. They won't pay me and they won't pay others. But they have the money for Sale Train in Ireland and charities as I say which is great to, 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 to give to charity you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I, did, I did a lot of work with hearts and minds overseas for years and helping out people as best you can you know um, but it's just all like I just think it's wrong it's totally wrong like. yeah, and yeah. then you have like the the, the the breakdown of the payments but there was 100,000 by the Department of Defence to be given in 2023, 24 and 25 in addition another 50,000 euros in 2023 from a dormant account it says now, For, I don't know. given to who? to the Sale Ireland okay alright yeah well no, I mean that's, I, that sticks in your craw because you're owed money while they're giving charitable because, contributions yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I've done my time. I'm not, uh, as I said to your uh, researcher, I'm not looking for next year's pension or uh, an advance in pay or anything. I'm looking for money that's owed to me. Like but, it, but, if, but, but it says here you were administratively discharged rather than medically discharged. That would yeah. make a big difference, wouldn't it, to um, your, your standard of living? It does, yeah, because now I'm paying for my own... Um, not to get into my story, but I'm 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 on medication and I'm paying for my own prescriptions now on my own medication. Obviously, they were uh, provided when I was a member of the defence force. Yeah. Um, but when you go, they're not. But w- would your would your issues regarding your health and I won't pry. I don't know whether it's it's physical yeah. or, or or whether it's psychological. But um, both. It, both. Yeah. Are the, but were they work related? Yeah, they were. Okay, would it be something like PTSD or something? Um, I won't go into it. Okay, but, um, okay. All right, okay. Forgive to, me for asking. Be, yeah. To be, no, you're fine. But to be perfectly honest, by by admin discharging people instead of medically discharging, they're saving on 
medical expenses and stuff like that because you must feel very let down because it would have been yeah, as easy to medically down, yeah. discharge you and look yeah. after your prescriptions and your medical and appointments I, and I, I, I look at like I started up in, in the defence forces in the late 90s and I thought it was brilliant I was a young man and had my whole adult life in the defence forces and I thought this is brilliant and then I went abroad and I saw I didn't see it personally but I, I was abroad when uh, members of my unit passed away in Lebanon and then I saw it again last year with another poor guy there and yeah. that guy from Cork that got That's in right. and, and they're just it's like that thing on the telly I saw the Iraq committee thing yesterday and they were saying they were throwing that lady from RT under the bus and they're doing the exact same to members of the defence forces yeah. that's what I feel like yeah yeah, they, yeah. They, they bought two or they purchased new new aircraft, you know, and they had a bit, a bit of a photo shoot again the other day up in Baldon and um, Chief of Staff and all this and the Minister and everything and they're saying, oh, it cost over 200 million. Uh, but there you go and you're saying they can, they can get these, but it's no good if they've no big to work them. So is the, is the, are, is the, are the terms and conditions rates of paying the army bad? Um. You wouldn't be a millionaire anyway. You wouldn't be a millionaire. I, I, I mean, I went in for the job like any young young fellow, you know, and you you love the excitement of it. And, but as the years go on, you, you realise, why am I going up to up to Wicklow or up to Dublin on a Sunday for 20 quid? Is that all you, you know? get, 20 euro for a 24-hour duty? Basically, yeah. yeah. And what done it for me in, in the last years was, I remember being away for, you might recall, there was a... In 2016, there was a kind of a hundred year anniversary in, in Dublin, like for uh, 1916, there was Glass Nevin. Yeah, yeah. There was all these ceremony things. And I remember being involved in that. And I remember coming back and putting in for my allowance, my 20 odd quid or whatever it was. And I remember being calling to my office a few, a few weeks later and being queried because I left the barracks at six o'clock that morning. And I was with all the personnel and we didn't get back till half past nine that night and I put in my allowance and the question was asked to me was I really that long up in Dublin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, no, I just, I drove to my house or, you know, I just sat in, sat in the vehicle and just sat outside my house for the whole day. Where do you think I was? Yeah, I know. We it's were, the questioning, we the doubting, yeah. Um, I suppose that maybe the point should be made that if, if, if you're young and you love the idea of joining the Navy or the Army or the Air Corps, it's very exciting. But as you're getting older then, you possibly realise, actually, you know what, I'll, I'll never be able to rear a family or settle down or get a house um, with, um, with an Army job. Or would you be able to? I, I mean, to be honest, I, in that sense, the army put food on my table for years. It got me holidays with my family. It, it, it got me things that I could never. I've never had. I never had a phone until I joined the army. You know, so like it. There's good and bad in every job. I accept that. But when there's so much um, red tape and there's so much, you, you, you're fighting the system. You know, it's just. It would break you down, like you know, you're 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 fighting for what you're owed, and it's just. You don't regret the twenty-one years, do you? No, mm. no, not one bit. Just want a bit of respect. Bit. Get paid the money you're owed. No, no, I just want a bit of respect, and I just I think every member up and down the country that has gone recently should be getting that money when they have money to get new aircraft or they have money to give to charities. 
why not give it to the personnel that's owed the money, you know? Okay, appreciate that. Thank um, you, Paul. Thank you. I hope that you do. Undoubtedly, I'll get texts from other people who possibly have similar kind of stories to share of their life and, and times in just, the can Army. Can I just say there as well, Neil, um, before I go, um, a, a lot of my uh, rationale behind leaving as well was fighting the internal system. Now, we saw the, the report, the, the IRG report, come out there uh, some months ago. Um, that touched on it. It did. It touched on a lot of it. Like, Are you talking about bullying, harassment, yeah, sexual assault? Yeah. Um, like, I can tell you straight away, I know, that there is definitely stuff goes missing. Stuff gets thrown under the, into a bin or, you know, oh, that didn't happen and, oh, that report has gone missing. And it happened to me. And it has been happening to other people. And I, I hope to God that there'll be a change uh, for the next generation of, of um, Defence Force personnel. But for me, sadly, it wasn't. And um, it was just my time to go then, you know? Yeah, OK, OK. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Text 0868 if you've got thoughts on that. Can I also just mention a great day yesterday with regards to John O'Donnell, who got the keys of his brand new little home in Madden's buildings. He'll love it. It might take a little bit of adjustment to him at the beginning, having spent 40 years of his life in a in a slaughterhouse and, and in, in more recent years in, in a closed up, uh, abandoned uh, slaughterhouse. Um, and many people then wanted to help yesterday because he literally gets the, the keys of the front door and everything else then needs to be provided. Somebody said there is a grant available. So I hope that somebody's investigating the City Council grant that might be able to help him with kidding out his beautiful home. But it's a lovely story. Started in January and here we are in June. Uh, and uh, in fact, that's pretty quick, actually, as, as things go in this country so great news so Brendan Kelly of Kelly's Carpets and Flooring got in touch from the old Mallow Road yesterday and they will floor John's house for him that would be carpets or, or tiling or wooden floors whatever he might need that's fantastic and then Alan Morley of Morley of Pat Morley Satellite Services got in touch and they said we will install satellite television services uh, and we know John and we're happy to look after him in that way so he'll be Good to go with regards to a bit of entertainment, a bit of TV and stuff like that. Dennis, who's a regular listener to the programme, says, I'm delighted for John. I can give him a television and a DVD player and a big selection of DVDs. But I won't be, it won't be until around about uh, the middle of July. Not a bother there, Dennis, whenever you're ready. Claire, who's the manager of Galaxy Lighting, uh, is offering a light fixtures and light fittings for John. Thank you for that, Claire. Swan Beds got in touch quite early yesterday. They're going to provide a four-foot small double bed uh, for John, so he'll have somewhere nice and comfy to sleep at night. And Christine from All-in-One Interiors and Hollymount Industrial Estate said that they're happy to give John a set of drawers, two lockers, and two lamps for his bedroom. That's a wonderful gift. Thank you for that. Kathleen has a nearly brand new two-seater and an armchair. They are both electric recliners. Oh, I love those kind of gadgets. Uh, she needs to, uh, they need to go soon. Uh, if they're of use to John, please let me know. The plastic is still on the ends of them, so they're hardly used at all. So sorted there. The Furniture Centre, uh, who are doing a great competition with all week long. We're giving away 400 euro vouchers for the Furniture Centre on air. They got in touch and they said they will sort John with a few bits that he might need. Somebody else said, came into the shop and said that they donate a couple of hundred euro towards a fund for John to buy some th- things that he might need from the Furniture Centre. So Dolores from the Furniture Centre said she'd throw in some stuff as well. So that's fantastic. Kevin Hurley, he from Centra, is offering a 200 euro hamper uh, for John's house. Like a, 
a welcome gift, if you like. And I love that. And Elaine, another listener to the programme, says that she will clean the house ahead of him moving in. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful gesture? Just to go in, make it spick and span and tidy and shiny. And that's just some. If you want to get involved in helping John out, do text 0868 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, line two has uh, Andrew. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. I have actually right. seen your front and your rear dash cam footage from this incident. The lads showed it to me yesterday. But better yeah. to tell the story. You're coming back from Dublin uh, last week. You're on the yeah. inside lane. You're in cruise control. The speed limit's 120. You're doing 118. That's correct. That's right. Okay. I was driving up. I was out driving up to Dublin earlier that morning, and I was out to counting seven speed traps on the opposite side of the road coming back. So that's hence, hence why I was sitting at one eighteen in cruise control. Seven. So yeah, t- technically you probably could do one twenty two. And that's yes, correct. <laughs> I shouldn't be, I I shouldn't be saying it. that, but I think yeah. uh, I think they're Don't not calibrated. <laughs> You are right, you could get like 5% or something like that over the speed limit. Something like no, that, I, I know, will I be arrested yeah. for saying that? But anyway, anyway <laughs> seven yeah. speed traps, what were they, were they Gatso vans? Yeah, Gatso vans, exactly, yeah. So seven I was very cautious to them, they coming back the road, so I stay in cruise control coming the whole way back the road from Dublin to Cork. And when I got around Tipperary, I was coming up on traffic, there was a van and an electric truck in front of me, good, good four or five hundred yards in front of me, it was fine. So I was, I, I looked in my mirror, I, there was nothing coming. Well, there was a kind of very fair distance, about three or four hundred yards behind me. So I moved into the, I went to move into the overtaking lane, and seventy-five, maybe eighty-five percent of my car was in the lane. When bang, I got, all I could see was this reflective light coming up to the right-hand side of me. I absolutely bricked it and just whipped the car back over into the lane again. And as, as you can see, by the way, the, the camera was waving side to side. The car jerked an awful lot. You're saying you I, could have gone into the hard shoulder and possibly ended up in a ditch or up against a barrier or something? I was so close to that car, the car. If I was an inch closer, that car was dead. I would have pit manoeuvred that car and that car was dead. So where did it come from? Is that what you're? Is that was that the crux That's what of this? I tried to figure out, like, if, the speed, is it? The rear, yes, the rear, like if you look at the rear dash cam, he was from in view of the dash cam to coming out of view, which would have been at the side of my car. He was nine seconds. He was nine seconds in view, and like he would have been three, four years behind me when he came into view. How the hell did he get that speed up in time to be able to, like, you know, lights, that make, sirens, that anything sense? going? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Looking at the camera, he looked like he flashed his lights when he was about 200 yards behind me, but being honest with you, I didn't see that until looking at the dash cam footage. Did you indicate to move out? Yes, yes, yes. What What kind of speed do you think the guard I reckon he. I reckon he was doing 160 to 180, if not more. Because if the front footage will show again, I pulled back out because I was going to start flashing his lights. I wanted him to pull in. Um, so I pulled back out into the fast lane to overtake the truck again and you just can't find the girl, Carol. He's gone. 160 it's to 180. Gone. Possibly a, a reacting to an emergency call, maybe? No blue lights, no sirens. If he was, that would be 100% acceptable. That's why he didn't stop. That's why he was at that speed. That's 100% acceptable. But he had no lights, no sirens. He had no due care for the road. In my honest opinion, he was staring at his phone. 
Ah, sure you can't say that, man. Ah, you, you can. can. I see Gareth on the phone every no, single no, day. No one, in their, no one in their right mind would be driving. Um, was this rapid response or was it an SUV? Yeah. Or? I reckon it was, well, it was one of these Audi Jeeps. So Nobody in their right them. mind would put on a uniform, really. Drive 160 to 180 kilometres in the fast lane of the Dublin Cork Highway and be on their phone. I know, you do think so, but I have seen girls do it before. Maybe not at that speed, no, but I have seen girls on their phones many, many, many times. So, like, girls do use their phones while they're, while they're driving. They do, 100,000%. And they'll say it's in the line of duty when you pull them on it, and they're allowed to do it because it's in the line of duty. It's a car got to do a work. <laughs> I've pulled girls on it before. Like, I've been at, at traffic lights, and I'm looking at a girl on the phone, and I give them a beep, and I make the, the, the hand gesture to put your phone down. What? Really? And yeah, genuinely, genuinely. I oh. had just tried to put your phone down because they do the exact same thing to me. I get four points of my licence for that. What? How do they react when you say tut, tut, tut? <laughs> they just look away. They carry on the phone call. They look away. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> this happens wholesale every single day of the week. <laughs> no, <laughs> you see punters on their phone every day of the week, but you don't see yeah. Gardy on their phone every day of the week. No, I do. We like to see video footage and that you like. What do you think about more in your line to be concentrating on what's going on, on the road in front of you rather than looking yeah. in the windows of everybody else's cars? Oh, uh, well, st- stop the traffic lights now as hell. <laughs> you know, you'd look, you'd look, you'd look, you'd look around. <laughs> so that's interesting because uh, what would happen if there was an accident? Um, d- like some emergency services drive on their own licence. Um, ambulance drivers, for instance, if they're caught speeding um, and, and they, they can get done just like an average civilian. I don't know what the story, like they can get penalty points driving an ambulance. I don't know, can a Garda... I'm sure they can if, if if it was proven that it was if it wasn't in the line of duty, if it wasn't an emergency car, like, okay. I imagine that they can. Yeah. Everyone has to have a driving license to drive. Would it have been all right if the sirens were on, for instance, and the lights if, were flying? If the sirens and the lights were on, he was on the way to an emergency emergency situation. That's absolutely no problem. Fair enough. That's why he didn't slow down. That's why he didn't care less. That's why he went made to be. That's one hundred percent acceptable. But there was no lights. There was no sirens. Yeah. You do, I mean, I, I bet you I'll get a text from people are saying that you just have it in for Gardaí. You're watching them Absolute, in traffic and you're... Yeah, you're, you're going to get those messages. I know I don't have it in for Gardaí. Yes, I have a full clean driving license. I was a courier for many years. I kept a full clean driving license. You know, I'm not one of these people that are baiting up and down the highway and looking for trouble. Yeah, OK. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, no, I'm not a male Karen. OK, OK. <laughs> a male Karen. <laughs> so, do you, do, I mean, do, do you intend to do something about this in the sense that you're saying that he could have killed you? I, like, I want to go further about it because of the fact that he didn't even slow down. If the ombudsman is able to come back to me and tell me that... Uh, yes, have you was, complained? Call, I've tried to, yes. I've put in a complaint with the ombudsman online, but I haven't heard anything back yet. OK, OK. I think we, I think we actually shared the video of that on, on, on Twitter over the past couple of days, people can have a look at it themselves. Um, you know that there's a guard, actually, and there's very little we can say about this, apart from the fact that there is a guard uh, in court answering a charge of dangerous driving for following burglars, a well-known burglary gang who were fleeing arrest and ended up crashing into a truck and the car exploded and all three of them were killed. Um, Holy mother of God. You know, I, I was unaware of that. Yeah, that's going on at the moment in the Irish courts. Anyway, that's probably for another day. Let's see what people think. If you, if you do get anything back on that, do let me know. 
Yeah, I will, Carl. Okay. I will, Carl. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I think the video footage is up on our Twitter if you want to have a look at it. Do so at your leisure. Text 0868104106. Lots of chat-up lines coming in, um, and I think... Um, some of them hopefully will be very exclusive to Cork chat-up lines. Here's a few. If I had to rate you from 1 to 10, I would rate you as 9 because I'm the one that you're missing. Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? You must be Jamaican because you're Jamaican me crazy. Love it. You're so beautiful you made me forget my pickup line. Are you a parking ticket? Because you've got fine written all over you. Do you have a map? Because I keep getting lost in your eyes. I have great road frontage. It's like the one years ago, the chat-up line was, do you want to be buried with my people? Anyway, keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now... Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And some more wonderful vouchers to give away family passes for various Cork City and County um, tourist attractions to do again this morning. We did the Cork City Jail yesterday. I'll tell you some more about uh, passes that we're giving away this morning a little later on. But every day we have 400 euro vouchers for the Furniture Centre. Thank you so much to everybody at the Furniture Centre. They're coming on board to help with the fit out uh, of John's lovely little home out in uh, Madden's buildings and that's a lovely offer. We have 400 euro vouchers for you to go and spend uh, on whatever you wish at the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. Family business, in business over 40 years. Uh, further details, thefurnishedcentre.ie. Um, so again, we'll play 30 seconds around about a quarter to midday. I'll give you the qualifying question a little later on, then we'll take caller 9 and 10. You'll get 30 seconds. I'll work with you, I hope. I don't know whether I'm a help nor a hindrance. I'm not quite sure which. But we'll see what we can do with 30 seconds. Whoever answers the most questions right wins the 400 euro voucher for today. That's a little later on. Apparently, Ireland as a tourist destination is very relaxing. Not a bad accolade to have if people wanted to come here for a relaxing holiday. It must mean that we ourselves are very relaxing. We come in just before Iceland. They must be completely and utterly zonked with relaxation if they're ahead of us. So Iceland is first, we're second, then Malta than Croatia and Portugal, the most relaxing European destination. And of course, the best part of the Irish destination, of course, is down here in the south. Okay, text 0868104106. Uh, thank you so much to everybody that's been sharing their pickup lines. Here's another few, right? Uh, as to whether they work or not, I'm not quite sure. Although I did see a text here from somebody who said that it most definitely worked. Where is it? I'll find it. Oh, here it is. My brother Brian was the school teacher in Dubai. When he met his future American wife there, his chat-up line was, would you be interested in being buried with my family? She thought it was hilarious. They were married in Maryborough House three years later. And it all started with that chat-up line. Another few of them. Uh, Do you know what this T-shirt is made of, says your man to her? Boyfriend material, says he. Another one here. Do you like raisins? Um, How do you feel about a date? Do you believe in love at first sight? Or should I walk past again? Like that one. Um, Do you like cheese? Because I am an easy single. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) One more. Did your driving license get suspended? Because you're driving all the guys crazy. Well, that's a... 
a trouble, a double, uh uh. So keep them coming, text 0868104106. How do we get started on that this morning? Oh, it's just as to whether they're in vogue anymore or not. It's on the papers this morning. Uh, text 0868104106, and I'll come back to that. We're talking about workplace trials yesterday. Um, and I told you the story of somebody who did a work trial, uh, worked pretty much a double shift, thought that they had the gig in the restaurant down in East Cork, and uh, was given hours and everything to start, was told, can you work next Saturday? This is a girl who did a double shift and stayed on. And then, and actually, uh, I've been shown and shared some of the texts back and forth on this one. Uh, and then um, after they were told, yeah, I'm happy to work, mad for the work, love the part-time job, we given the starting date that we're told Saturday. And then the next day, they got another text. You got the young girl, um, a secondary school teach, a student, got another text then saying, uh, sorry, we gave the job to somebody else. Uh, and there was no talk of any pay. Now, um, that's being refuted, actually, by the company involved um, who have said that everybody uh, who um, actually works, whether they're staff or whether they're on a trial, gets paid. The chef patron of the restaurant told us that. So I'm not naming the restaurant yet because we're, we're far from 100% clear as to whether or not the pay was actually made. Um, but certainly the way that she was treated as in, um, you have the job and then you're told, no, sorry, we gave the job to somebody. Actually, the, the wording of it is a little bit more detailed than that. It was a case of, we've given the job to somebody who's full-time and can work longer hours. Uh, so that was very annoying because I've heard of this in the past where people work and do trials um, and sometimes you could have two or three people doing the same trial and they only pick one of the three and that can be very, very upsetting, particularly to a young person. So the gist of that story was, I'm writing on behalf of my friend's daughter, let's call her Jane. She's 17 years old and a great kid, responsible, respectful and hardworking. She was offered the chance to work in a restaurant in the town as a trial and that they would advise her at the end if she was successful. Having worked a full shift, she was even given shift hours for the weekend ahead. Then a few days later, they said she didn't get the job and she never got paid. This is an act of cruelty. And I'm wondering, is this common practice? So, Marius, good morning. Good morning. Is it common practice, do you think? I, I did hear, I dealt with this story on the air some, some years ago regarding, unfortunately, some restaurants in Kinsale who were doing this. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, it's quite a widespread practice. Uh, and that's mainly because... Not not many people go to workplace relations to seek justice. And a couple of years ago, when we were working on the TIPS bill that came into effect at the end of last year, uh, we did a survey on the hospitality sector. Who's who's we, we now? I mean, do do you represent somebody, or did you just have an interest in it? I was part of a of a group that worked. Uh, there were senators, uh, people from the Dale, academicians. Uh, representatives from different com- communities I'm from the Romanian community uh, and we had someone from the Polish community okay. and basically we try to improve the legislation for the hospitality sector and uh, these are these were the findings of the survey that uh, people were going on trial and they were never paid or the employers taking the tips uh, and so on. That's so, now illegal. The law changed with regards to employer. Yeah. The tips now yeah. must be the uh, the sole responsibility of the staff, right? Yes. Even the electronic tips have to be passed on to the employees. Uh, but we found that a lot of people were were going. Uh, they were working a couple of days uh, just to try out for the job, and they were never paid. And. Obviously, that happens in places where the the people don't go to the workplace relations to to seek assistance, uh, or they don't know their rights. 
And I, I've noticed on your thread yesterday on the Facebook page that some people actually accept that, that they, they consider that it's normal to go on trial, to work, and not to be paid, which is wrong. No, I, I, I don't know why people think that. They need, to put, they need to put a better value on themselves than that. Of course. Trying for a job doesn't necessarily mean that you're going as a slave. And then if they give you the job, uh, it's okay. If not, that's it. If you work, you need to be paid. I 100% agree with you. That's why I was surprised when I heard that this this person claims that her friend's daughter wasn't paid, was offered the job, and then got a fairly hurtful text saying, oh, sorry, actually, we're giving the job to somebody else. It's a a kick in the teeth for a young girl, isn't it? Yeah, but even that aspect can, can be down to discrimination. If she wasn't told from the beginning that she's uh, applying for a full-time job, then why was she let to, to work uh, the trial period if the job was not hers because she could not work full-time? Or if she, wa- if she was able to work full-time, why was that uh, message sent uh, saying that we, we, we got someone else? Yeah, it might have been the job was given to somebody full time, not just for the summer, but full time. But anyway, that that's beside the point. Somebody does a trial and works. I don't know how long this was. It was certainly about, I imagine, 10 hours. You need to be paid for that. And you're owed somewhere in the region of, uh, I, I don't know, 120, 130 euro for it. Well, you need to be paid the minimum wage at least. Yeah, what should they do? Restaurant. The restaurant well, claims that everybody um, gets paid, even if they're on trial. So I need to get clarification on why they say that if this girl didn't get paid. I, I posted a, a comment on the on the threads uh, explaining the steps that needs to be taken in this situation. So first of all, the, if the, uh, the person is a minor, it's underage, uh, the parents should send an email to the company requesting to be paid and mentioning that should this not happen, uh, we'll seek assistance from the Workplace Relations Commission. Now, if they still don't pay, even if they say that they paid, they need to have evidence that they paid. So they can file a complaint with the Workplace Relations Commission and the company. I think, I think, if, I think even the threat of that, really, you know, for a company that takes people... And I'd love to hear... I also heard it about, um, about, sh- about shops and delis were doing it and deli counters. Yes, yes, of course. Um, but yeah, even, even the, the threat of the workplace, react. even the threat of the workplace commissions um, might be the one that would get it over the line and get you paid. Yeah, of course. Often the, uh, a simple email will sort that out because of no company, especially since last year when the Supreme Court uh, decided in the ca- case of Zelensky that any uh, uh, details of a case are published. No company wants to have their name on the workplace relations website saying that they didn't pay their employees or people that were on trial. So obviously a simple email mentioning action with the workplace relations can can sort out the problem. Okay, okay, appreciate that. Thank you, Marius, much obliged. No um, thank you, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106, particularly if you know of companies that are bringing people in on trial, not hiring them and not, not actually paying them then for the shift that they have done. It was happening in the past. I'm alarmed to hear if it's still happening. Hugh German is with Tom and Hugh Catering Consultancy. did a report on bullying in the catering industry. He may have some update with regards to trials of um, maybe leaving cert or secondary school students. Hugh, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is it prevalent? Absolutely. 
Um, but it's a cultural thing, Neil. I mean, it happened hundreds of years ago. It began hundreds of years ago. And it's just, it's a, a, a culture that, that has never been beaten uh, in the industry. It's always been, as you know, a very poorly paid industry. Um, very, very few uh, people in the industry get contracts. Um, it's a kind of, uh, it's a business that, that to me is abusive. I was in it for 50 years, as was Tom, my partner. And um, we ourselves have, have um, experienced it over the years. But um, you were talking about people not getting paid. There is one particular, and, and um, I've, we've spoken to a number of people, interviewed a number of people um, regarding this, this whole bullying thing. I won't go into the bullying aspect as such because it's just too comprehensive. But um, one specific young lady who got a job in a restaurant in Cork um, was doing basically anything and everything, wasn't really trained, was told what to do, and that was it, day one. Came in on, on Monday, had, had been interviewed on Friday, came in on Monday, given an apron and, and a uniform, told get on with it, basically. Um, head cook or chef in there was not terribly pleasant, was, uh, let's just say, um, not angry, but um, didn't really have any patience for people asking questions. Um, on, fri- on the Thursday, the, um, the owner came to the girl and said, look, this isn't working out, hand in your apron tomorrow. Uh, bring it in, cleaned tomorrow, oh, and, which she didn't do, um, and she didn't get paid a penny for it. For how much work? Um, oh, yeah, for four days' work. Didn't get paid for four any of that work? Not a penny. No, she, Not like, a penny. How, how, how long ago, how many years ago was that? Um, about four, three or four, it was just pre-COVID. But um, the, the problem there was... And was she a young girl getting a, was this a summer job? Um, it, it was. Um, she would have been what, 17 or 18. Um, the thing is... Neil, and what happened in that regard? Did her parents go nothing. down and... Well, there's not a lot I think they can do at the time, but this particular restaurateur, it was basically... Um, oh, she took two people on that week. Sorry, this girl and another girl. And she let the other girl go on the Monday. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I'm, al- I'm alarmed that it's still going on because it's very, very cruel and probably illegal. Trials are probably, unpaid trials have got to be illegal. But the whole business is, 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 is um, it's very thick because um, I, there's one major, major issue with the whole catering industry and it'll never change. It's not regulated. Mm. And mm. if you have an industry that's not regulated, Anything goes. And when you say not regulated in the sense of pay, terms of conditions, split shifts, is it working weekends, all that kind of... But it's, it's, it's the hospitality industry. It has to be very flexible like that, doesn't it? Flexible, yes. But I mean, you, you, I'll give you a quick example. Years ago, the, the electrical industry wasn't um, regulated. And any, any Tom, Dick or Harry could turn up and, and start messing around with your electric. Yeah. It didn't have to be um, signed Certified. off, on yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, regulation came in and it got rid of all the cowboys. And uh, admittedly, the whole thing probably got a little bit more expensive. But at least you knew at the end of the day that everything should be, would be safe and signed off on. Here, there's no regulation at all. So the, the, the workers, basically, they're out there and, and they have to put up with it uh, effectively. Yeah. But there's, there's still you think COVID put manner, You think COVID put manners on the hospitality industry, did it? Uh, what COVID did was it allowed those who were incredibly unhappy, were getting um, underpaid, um, were getting bullied, etc., etc. It gave them a chance to get out of that industry and to seek employment in other industries. That's why one of the reasons, and one of the major reasons, why there's such 
a dearth in um, empl- employees, people who are, want to work in the industry. But you see, um, the, the, the system, system is very broken. And many, many years ago, when I was a young fellow, which is in 1800 and whatever it was, <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, CERT was in operation. It was a government-run thing. Yeah, yeah. And you did a three-year course in that. And the beauty about that was that at the end of three years, the end of one year, two year, three years, um, an employer would know the level of experience that, that particular chef had, for instance. And I'm talking specifically about chefs in that, in that respect. Um, there's nothing like that now. You can there's hundreds of courses and many courses. You can do a six month course in baking, a six month course but, in this, that, yeah, and the other thing. Yeah, yeah, but nothing but, like it know, used to be. But however, I do know no. of chefs who started in wash up and worked their way right through. I know of people. Actually, I know of chefs who've gone from the kitchen out to the front of house as well. So don't get me wrong there. But I've known the opposite also that a waiter ended up having an interest in food and moved from floor to kitchen and all the way up to chef because they had um, an interest in it, a love and a passion. Sometimes it's about identifying the right person, not the qualification, but the person. I, that, that's a good point. But, but um, you know, to have a national or an international style qualification, it allows our, our chefs to travel as well. Um, it's, I mean, it's a skill. Cooking is a life skill anyway, as it is. But it allows our people to travel um, abroad. Um, I know of one chef, um, my buddy Tom has mentored him. He's now in, in Paris um, and he's just moved to probably the best known hotel, um, restaurant in Paris. He's only been over there about two two to three years. But he's now a senior, a senior chef. He's gone right through mm. uh, all the levels that they set him. It's a wonderful training over there. Mm. But he'd never get that type of training in this country. Okay, okay. I got a lot of texts well, on this, particularly from Facebook yeah, with can regards I just to say work trials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just say one thing? There are some wonderful setups in this country. Not everybody should be painted with the same brush. No, but I'd imagine but even the bigger what? restaurants with lots of staff, do they or don't they have an HR department where someone is working in a high-pressure industry or a business like that where they're being bullied or they're getting abuse or there's name-calling or they've just been treated unkindly that they can report it to? Um, in some cases, yes. The, the bigger, the bigger organisations. Ah, your McDonald's will better. now, and I know that. Say, for instance, your Burger Kings will. But let's say a, 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 a restaurant that has maybe sixty or seventy covers and might have twenty-five staff and its owner run. Who do they complain to if the if the boss is a bully? So, I, I have to be honest with you. Some of the the, the worst bullies are the owner uh, owner chefs. Yeah. We've come across. Okay. That, that was in our... our uh, now, admittedly, it's two years since we did our um, report. Okay, would you mind but, sending um, it to me if you don't mind, if it would be okay with um, you? Well, I, it wouldn't be okay at the moment, Neil, if you don't mind. Okay. But I, I'd certainly be prepared to, to go through it with you. Okay, my but, friend. Um, okay, okay. Uh, but I'd certainly love to discuss it with you sometime. I'd even call into you sometime and bring it with me, but I can't hand it over to you. Well, it's of little use if I can't use the detail on air, I suppose. you know. But listen, who knows? We might have a coffee sometime. Um, well... Look, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, right. I'll bring it with me and I'll talk to my partner first. Okay, thanks it. you. Regards okay. to yourself and Tom, thank you. From uh, Facebook, name and shame these places, Neil. How are young kids supposed to get experience when employers won't give them a chance and instead exploit them for free labour? So unfair of them. No one should agree to a non-paid trial run. End of. It's exploitation. Some of the employers get weeks and months of free labour from potential staff on these so-called trial runs. 
It's horrible. Uh, that's absolutely unacceptable. If you work, you should get paid for it. It's so unfair and very mean. Uh, greedy people, the way they treat people starting off in the workplace. Sad, really. Well, it is sad because it's a bad start for somebody looking for a part-time summer job to be treated like that. Goes on all of the time, Neil. It's shocking. Young people being used for free labour. Happened to me when I was a lot younger than I am now. A clothes shop in Merchants Key asked me to do a trial. I worked for three days for at least six to seven hours and was told I didn't get the job. Never got paid and walked past a few days later to see another young fella in there doing the very same. It's been going on for years. They should be named and shamed. It's completely taking advantage of young people. Yes, unfortunately, it goes on all of the time. My daughter was exploited like this. First job and she loved it. But a lot of chancers and creeps ready to pounce on vulnerable kids who are just wanting to get experience. Revenue and citizens' advice are very helpful and solicitors can act on your behalf. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody should take a trial and not being paid lying down. It happened to my daughter a few years ago in a well-known department store. Several girls were brought in to do four-hour shift and promote a brand of makeup sent to different areas of the shop to bring back potential customers to the stand. None of the girls got paid and a week later they were still looking for more staff. It was free labour, you see, with the girls promoting their products. And there's lots more. A day's trial or four hours trial is unfortunately commonplace in hospitality. And also, on these trials, no access to tips is ever earned either. It's no wonder many places struggle to find staff, but anything more than a day should be paid. No, anything more than an hour, every work hour should be paid. Always make sure to get a contract, get everything in writing. And one final one for now. Yes, it happened to my daughter also, local restaurant, but she emailed them and said it was illegal and they paid her saying they weren't obliged to, but they were going to out of goodwill. She was 17 years old at the time. Yeah, they'll say that, but that's the last sting of a dying wasp. You got the money. You didn't take it lying down. That's the important thing, but it's still going on. Uh, Jackie standing by after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. Jackie, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, back to a story from earlier on with regards to speeding. Um, and this was the Cork Dublin Road. Your own thoughts on that? Um, no, I was just saying, because I just messaged in saying that, like, I moved, I'm from Cork originally and moved yeah. up to Tipperary and, yeah, absolutely shocked by the standard of driving up here. Like, it's so reckless. And, yeah, the same thing on a motorway as well. Like, you, the amount of people that would be recklessly overtaking you, um, they're, all, like, right behind you all the time when you're driving as well. And I'd be driving, like, the speed, like, 120, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't go above it or anything. But, you know, they'd be, like, right up behind you and everything so why just, um, just, I'm just curious now this is not me having to go at you but what are you doing yeah. in the outside lane oh well there'll be slower cars like you know, be cars oh, going like 100 or a truck over, or whatever you're you know? overtaking yeah, yeah, overtaking, yeah. legally yeah, overtaking yeah. okay thank you yeah 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 but you like, know the ones that just stay out there you know those fellas oh no no not that they're a serious hazard I don't, I don't hazard that either yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't appreciate that either yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but no I was just saying like I, I fully believe everything he said there I even think about being on the phone like this just for some reason I don't know what it is like up here it's just different it seems like it's just different regulations almost I know only neighbours and stuff but the difference between driving up here I'd be stressed out but when I go back to Cork then it's all calm and everyone, like I know obviously there's accidents in Cork as well but you know, it would be, be much calmer isn't there, that an amazing observation that the extent yeah. of the driving in Tipperary oh it's 
like, and I'm saying it every time I go back and I'm always like, oh, isn't this lovely driving back here? And everyone's laughing at me. But to the point where I've gotten in, like, I've been so stressed out that for my anniversary present for my husband, I had to get a dash cam. And I, that was, I was most appreciative of that just to like, yeah, just to give myself some peace of mind. And how does the dash cam give you peace of mind? Just because, like, it just could prove, like, if, you know, it's one one word against another. So if I have the dash cam, it's proof that, look, I wasn't in the fault in this case. Because I'm a good driver. I know I am. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, can, I don't mean to sound boasted, but I know I am. Do you know what I mean? And I'm a safe driver. And um, But yeah, even chatting to you now, it sounds to me that you are anticipating that at some stage you will have an accident. Yeah, because literally, this is the thing. Every time I went behind the wheel driving up here there was something like reckless happening someone was overtaking someone was speeding too much someone was on their phone and just not paying attention but yeah like to the point where yeah up here I would almost anticipate an accident and tell me this is it, is, it, observant is it always the Cork Dublin road or is it Tipperary roads in general just Tipperary roads in general to be do you see a lot but more of them on their phone then do you they're on their phone yeah they're speeding tailgating ridiculous and like to them it's an honour like a badge of honour to be speeding they think that anyone who's going the speed limit is a bad driver which I was like you for real <laughs> and have you spoken to Tipperary people about it yeah <laughs> at work I would have spoken to them and said it like but what have they yeah, said they about it laugh it off I suppose because that's, that's what I'm saying they think it's a badge of honour they think that speeding and they'll tailgate on to be like well I'm better than you. you you get out of the way even though you'd be going maximum speed for that road you know what I mean and you come back to Cork and you notice Oh, look, when Evident I come back to Cork, I'm cameras. like, oh, this is a dream. I can, like, and yeah, even just going around roundabouts, like, people in Cork now do these roundabouts. Like, just, it's such a dream, and it's so relaxing coming back to Cork and just driving, like, the way you should be driving. Everyone, most, most people on the road would be driving, you know, following the road, the road and everything. Well, Cork, in, in the case of earlier on this morning, it was, um, uh, you know, one of the big, one of the big Garda SUVs that was coming down the, the fast lane of the motorway. Yeah. Uh, with no lights on, no sirens, and he said doing 160 to 180 kilometres an hour. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, like, yeah. And and I, to be honest, when you when you were bashing him for being on their garbage on his phone, genuinely, I'd be like, yeah, Grant, I believe that. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, I've seen it a million and one times. I'm like, no, he's not lying. Like, do you know what I mean? I believe what he saw, he saw, do you know? Yeah, what What is it you've seen? Guards on their phone? Guards on their phone and speeding. I've seen it. So, like, that's what I'm saying. I can, I can from my own experience like corroborate a story but like yeah yeah but if that was the case we'd have guarded cars crashing all over the place and they're not yeah I I know but, but you but you have seen it you're saying I'm, I've seen it like that's what I'm saying I'm not saying that they're okay yeah I'm not okay. saying they're crashing all over the place but I've seen what he saw so that's what I'm saying like I I would believe him like, you know, and are you in Tipperary for love are you uh, in the meantime, he's actually a Cork man from Oi, so I'm getting him down eventually, I'd say. Oh, is the, the, the general idea is to get back to Cork, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll wait for the house's price to go down. How, how did you guys meet? Um, we met up in Dublin through friends. Um, and, yeah, both found out we were both from Cork, and obviously that's a, that's a mutual uh, understanding. Then. That's a given then. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a, definite, a definite match. And did, was, yeah, there, yeah. was there any kind of corny chat-up lines involved? Oh no, no! I wouldn't take that. Now I'd walk away straight away. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he didn't. He didn't say to you, "Did it hurt when you fell from heaven?" No, no, no. 
I cringe even thinking about that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jackie. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. Perfect. Thanks very Cheers. much. Uh, here's some more of them, actually. Some of them are not broadcastable. You know, chat up lines like, nice legs, what time do they open? Not broadcastable, says he broadcasting it. But you know what I mean? You can't be saying that, lads. No, sir. Um, for either sex. Excuse me, do you have a map? I'm getting lost in your eyes. Oh, my God. I have no idea where these come from. Is your dad a thief? Because uh, he stole the stars from the sky and put them in your eyes. Oh, my God. Give me a break. Come on. Got to be better than that. Your dress is beautiful on you, but you know where it would look better. <laughs> on my bedroom floor. <laughs> Do people say these things? Uh, anyway, thank you to Ellie. She says, years ago, a chat-up line was, would you like to be buried with my people? My mother, God rest her, all to always told us that one. Here's, here's another one for you. Here's 20 pence. This goes to show how old this chat-up line is. Here's 20 pence. And she says, what's that for? He says, to ring your ma'am and tell her you'll be home late. <laughs> Nowadays, we talk about consent, Right. I don't know whether the 20 pence is an act of consent. Anyway, you got more from me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just have one in the hockeys for you because we had a text in from somebody and it jogged a memory of me, a musical memory of years gone by. Um, this uh, texter says, chat up lines in London in the neat, 80s included. Uh, have you any Irish in you? Would you like some Irish in you? That was Phil Linnett. That was Phil Linnett's famous line from uh, Live and Dangerous, which I have in the hockeys for you, actually introducing uh, Emerald. Let's have a listen. Is there anybody here with uh, any Irish in them? Is there any of the girls that like a bit more Irish in Talk to me about that album. So it is cool. just an amazing. Phil Linnan is the coolest man on this planet, isn't he? Like oh, he yeah. just is the coolest man that exists. One in a million. One in a million. What have you got for me, John? On line four, John. Good morning. Hang on a second. Uh, yeah, it should be there. Let me see if he is there. John, can you hear me now? Yes. Good morning. All right. Okay. So, uh, forty-eight years ago, you. Um, hang on a second. I'll come back to you in one second. I'll take an ad break and clean this line up. Hold on one second. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Now you can text 086-8104-106. My apologies. Lines are sorted. Now, John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, this is a most beautiful story. It's gorgeous. So tell us all and leave nothing out. Well, first, Neil, I'm hiding down the shed now because my wife is in the kitchen listening. So I'm hiding in the shed. <laughs> she now. won't mind. It's very romantic. She won't be embarrassed. Go on. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Forty-eight I, years ago, you're inside the Stardust ago, on the yeah, Grand Parade. I I, I met in, um, this girl in the, the the Grand Parade at the Stardust nightclub, and uh, we were chatting anyway, and we and the club was over. We went outside and uh, walked up to a taxi because she lived out uh, in Tower near Blarney Castle. Yeah, and. Uh, before she got in, she turned around and asked me, did I ever kiss the Blarney Stone? And I said, no. She said, would you like to kiss somebody that did? And 48 years later, I was still married. Isn't that gorgeous? I think that's so lovely. Did you ever kiss the Blarney Stone? No. Would you like to kiss someone who did kiss the Blarney Stone? Yeah. You said yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's... We kissed and that was it. 48 years later, I was still married. To the beautiful... 46, 46 years later, I was still married. Isn't that the loveliest thing? And, I mean, does she recall it? Like, I mean, you've spoken about it years later, 48 years uh, later. 
So she deny it, don't That's say what it. I'm wondering, like, she says that she didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's Brenda, isn't it? Brenda's your gorgeous it's wife. Brenda, yeah. Happy yeah. days, happy days. That's just lovely. It really and truly is. Thanks for that, John. Appreciate it. You're uh, from the days when you'd walk, actually talking about the stardust, John, you like this. From the days when you'd walk home from the stardust, the fella says, I'd like to walk you home. Where do you live? She says, Black Rock. He says, Forget that. I'm not looking for a pen pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you couldn't make it up. Anyway, text 0868104106. Keep those uh, one-liners, the cheesy one-liners coming. A lot of stuff um, on RTE, particularly yesterday after the first of the two uh, committee grillings. Yesterday was the media uh, grilling. Who's going to pay for bringing Keelty over and back from London every weekend? He might, he might back out, and there might be no late late show. Time to give it a rest. What will be will be. I say best of luck to Tuberty. Um Okay, uh, I don't. I don't think that um, Patrick Kilty would pull out of this if his salary was published because it was going to be published anyway because it would be part of the commitment to publish the top earners. The Tuberty debacle has shown the country for what it is. There's a them and us divide after springing up. When the story broke last week, Mr Tuberty's first reaction was, that's nothing to do with me. I believe he hoped we would roll over and accept his explanation. This divide has existed for a while. We are as far from a true republic as could be. I'm of the belief that we now have an aristocracy, a class of people who truly believe they are above regular people. These people are found predominantly in political and broadcasting circles, says Pat. Interesting perspective on things. Uh, One or two more. Uh, Would people prefer RTE to be privatised and then everybody has to pay a subscription to watch the national channels? You'll see the complaints come in then. I bet there are plenty of people complaining about paying for the life TV license, but have no problem paying 60 or 70 euro plus a month to Sky. RT is no different than any other public sector body where money is being wasted day in and day out. Well, maybe it's Sky should be paying RTE or paying the license fee uh, because some people would pay. I think maybe it might be fair to say maybe 40 euro a month. Perhaps more. Um, I know it could be as high as 100, 110 if you've got multi boxes and stuff like that. Some people, it could be up to 11 or 1200 euro a year. Um, point being, nobody complains about paying Sky. Um, just with regards to uh, the GAA Go, an awful lot of people are very angry and happy about that because that's another extra stream for RTE. I probably don't understand the RTE saga fully. From what I do know, I can't understand what all the fuss is about. Everyone loved Ryan Tuberty and yet how quickly they have turned against him. He must be devastated. How many can say if they were offered extra pay and told not to mention it to co-workers that they would have made it known to everyone? They would have kept it quiet. I can't believe this is making headlines since it became public news. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. And back to the phone lines we go. Tom, good morning. Okay, I was talking earlier on um, and uh, I'm here to facilitate people's cause, incidentally. I don't want to be seen to be part of a a guard, a bashing crusade, far from it. But just picking up there earlier on this morning, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing, you know, that's that's kind of annoying me, is that if we mention the Gardaí at all in any negative light, we're automatically guard bashing. Like, it's like if we say something negative about People coming into the country, we're racist. You know, we're being silenced. We're being silenced. Yeah, but here's the problem. Here's, Here's the problem with this, right? 
it's not the rank and file members of Angarda Shikona that anybody should be giving the grief towards. Now, if there if there's someone doing 150 or 160 down the Dublin Cork motorway with no lights and sirens on, that person needs to be pulled aside and said, this is not on. But you can't be criticising those in uniform. There's not enough guards. You see this morning, there's half as many guards down in Mahan. There was seven, there's 17 now. There was over 30 yeah. uh, 10 years ago. Well, I sat up anyway. I never criticised the guard under any circumstances. Not once. Eh? Well, what I did say to your researchers is that well, I was listening to that programme, I was driving over the Link Road in Balancholic and I stopped at the traffic lights because they were red. When this clown behind me in a 4x4, four four, a big 4x4 four four nearly ran into the back of my car and he busily on his mobile phone. So much so, he came so close that I looked out my back and he actually put up his hand and waved an apology. Yeah, yeah. Which is okay. Yeah, what's he doing, on the phone or texting? Which... on his mobile phone. I turned the corner, past the Gale School, where I come to another set of traffic lights which were red, and I stopped. And the same clown, still on his phone, nearly ran into me again. Right? Now, my point here, research was that I think less, far less probably, than 0.1% of the people who use their mobile phones are caught. Right? Can you see it? It's, look, it's. Every time you look out at a car, somebody's on the mobile phone. The, 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 right. the, the guy in the, at the red light, right? And you're behind them, yeah. or you're two or three cars behind them, and you're wondering why the guy at the red light, or the woman for that matter, isn't moving when the light turns green, is because they're on their phone. You know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, there's something far more dangerous than that now, because far more dangerous than talking on your mobile phone now. It has gone now the texting on your mobile phone, getting videos on your mobile phone and looking at the videos that you get in your mobile phone. That is happening wholesale. Just take a look over the town, around the town. I'm actually in the town, and I'll be walking down along after. And I'll guarantee you, I'll find, I'll come across five or six people that will be looking down at their mobile device. Would they be watching videos or live television? They'll be watching videos, they'll be getting texts and texting back, replying to texts. It's happening all the time. Mm. If you park, if you're, like you said now, if you're in a line of traffic, there's two or three cars in front of you. The car that's slowest to move when that light turns green is slow, not because... He they haven't fallen asleep or nodded off there because they're on their no. phone. He, he's, he, he's, look, he's looking at a phone. Yeah. Right? He's looking at a video on a phone. He's looking at a text on a phone. Yeah. Like, it is happening horse. Well, I've, I have seen the video shit. of the incident on the Dublin Cork motorway um, and there's no lights and there's no siren and he is in the outside lane and he's doing a right clip. If, um, if our caller, whose name I can't remember now, was doing 118 kilometres, right? Andrew... Andrew yeah. was doing 118 um, and wanted to overtake. Um, he's suggesting that the Garda car had to be doing at least 150 um, with no lights and no sirens. Um, well, as I said, look, as I said earlier, who's watching the watchers? Like, if they, if they, if they, if they go top the top the K over the over the speed limit, who's going to stop? Who's going to prosecute them? 
No, I'm just trying to work out, would there be, what I'm asking you, would there be a genuine reason as to why that Garda would be doing that at that speed in that lane? Well, if there, if there was, it would have been quite obvious because as that guy said, he'd have had his lights and he'd have had the siren man. All right. But why didn't he see the car? Why didn't he see the car in front of him? I, I don't know. Why didn't I mean, he see the car? That'd be question to like. We didn't crash into him, but he did nearly kill him uh, without evasive acts and it would have crashed into him. Without an evasive movement, he would have crashed into him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that. Thank you. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, the article this morning, actually, with regards to, you see how how stretched Gardaí are. And Mahan is a typical example of that. Had, um, the Cork TD, uh, Donna Colera, honing in on, particularly in Mahan and the Blackrock Garda station, I was reading a stat this morning, which is on the front page of the Echo. So there are 17 Gardaí stationed in Mahan, down from uh, 20, down from 31 in 2009. Um, so that's a big difference. 31 in 2009, 17 now. There's been a lot more problems actually with regards to antisocial behaviour uh, and issues regarding criminal damage in Mahan since 2009 uh, and this is not meant in any way shape or form as a slight on the good people of Mahan it's just a fact uh, I do know of people who are actually looking to get out because they can't take it anymore sadly and, and some of them are even people who own private houses and wanting to sell up but I'm being told now that um, that figure is incorrect I'm told that the correct number for Gardaí station in Mahan is not 17 I'm told it's 13. So even worse than published. This is what I'm being told. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Imagine that. In 2009, there were 31 guards of Mahan. There's now 13. Um, that's insane, isn't it? When you think of it, it really is awfully depressing. Anyway, you got about two minutes to do this bit because I know that you were on to guard a press, Kevin, regarding this uh, story that Andrew shared with the speeding um, SUV, yeah. guard SUV. Go yeah, ahead. start the clock. Um, so we just emailed the guards saying... Uh, we received a text from a listener explaining what was in the text and said they'd checked their mirror indicated and the guard had passed at such a speed that they'd almost caused an accident. I sent them video footage that he had sent. Uh, so I asked the question, can members of the Gardaí be charged with penalty points like mem- regular members of the public or, and do those points go on their own private licence? I got a response asking for more details about the incident. So I replied back saying, look, it isn't actually specifically about this incident. I'm just looking to see if a guard is speeding off lights and sirens, are they culpable to the Road Traffic Act in the same way a regular driver would be? And how is it determined whether drive Gardaí are driving kind of in a civilian manner or whether they're actually on lights and sirens and they're emergency driving. So we got an email back saying the interpretation of legislation is not a service provided okay. by this office. Uh, we do not comment on individual cases and eventually I've just got a response from them there saying uh, they've pointed me to section 87 of the Road Traffic Act which said requirements under the Road Traffic Acts uh, are do not apply to the driving or use by a member of Angarda Siakana an ambulance service or a fire brigade uh, of a vehicle within the performance of the duties of that member. But again... Well, how can that be? There's a guard in, in, in court at the moment now for pursuing known burglars who died in a crash. And there you go. And, and why, as, is he I, being, why is he being prosecuted? And as I said, I have it on extremely good authority from the horse's mouth that ambulance drivers do get if you're driving an ambulance and you're not on lights and sirens or there's no way of proving you're responding to an emergency call and you are speeding, it goes on your own personal licence. Okay, but that statement is saying that if it's on duty... 
then you're not culpable under the Road Traffic Act. Exactly, that's but, what but, the But is it's the same if the lights and sirens are off? I don't know okay. <laughs> because they haven't actually explained it. Okay. Um, and just a quick one as well. I don't know has anybody noticed this recently, but about drivers, there's a motorbike driver, this guy in East Cork, I think it's around East Cork, so normally he's passing me in East Cork. He's capable of doing potentially anything it's like an arcade game he's flying along at like 160 170 along the dual carriageway he's actually weaving between traffic splitting cars he's overtaking me splitting myself in another car doing 120 um, you know undertaking people at enormous speed like I mean this guy is absolutely lifting it so I'd just be interested to see if anybody has, has seen that as well because it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't forget that kind of driving big bike a huge bike yeah the kind of bike that is capable of doing serious speed and I just like they're so vulnerable motorcycle okay. drivers you know Okay. so vulnerable. Thanks for that. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. With 400 euro vouchers to give away every day this week, there's a big summer event on at the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. Family business over 40 years located in Blackpool on the Watercourse Road itself. So we'll play 30 seconds just before midday. Two callers, callers 9 and 10. I'll give a qualifying question and then two callers, the question correctly answered, that is, on the air to play 30 seconds. And I'll work with both of you. Whoever gets the most wins the daily prize. It's a €400 voucher for the Furniture Centre. Custom Irish-made sofas, Irish-made mattresses for immediate delivery, handcrafted Italian and Spanish-made sofas as well. In fact, for every room of the home you'll find something that suits at the furniture centre on the watercourse road so all that to come um, on my topic of conversation from yesterday with regards to John and his new home in Madden's buildings Wendy says please add me to your list of people who wish to help following on from today's show and John moving into his no home, new home I'd be happy to buy him some things like towels that he might need for his new home if there's any way to get them to him please let me know if there's somewhere I can drop them off. So thank you, Wendy. We have your email. We'll be in touch as soon as everything is sorted. Lots of people getting involved, wanting to help John in his brand new home after 40 years in an abattoir. Uh, text 0868104106. Um, um, we got another one here saying, uh, we've got uh, Paddy on John, says a cooker, a fridge, a small bed, a microwave and cutlery. Um, it, that that's also been added to the list of things is that we've managed to, to source. Paddy O'Brien says he sorted those things himself. That's incredible, Paddy. Well done. The great advocate for the elderly. Advocate for all people, actually. He's just a star. So Paddy O'Brien's organised the cooker. He's organised the fridge, a small bed, the microwave and cutlery. The way we're going now. This would be like something out of um, a, Homes and, a Homes and Garden magazine by the time he's in that house. It'll be absolutely super. Okay, thanks for all that. Keep it coming if you do want to help. Text 0868104106. Just back to a story from yesterday. I was telling you about it, the um, antisocial behaviour and the carry-on down in Avoncore in Middleton. Incidentally, during um, the issues regarding a particular house down in Avoncore in Middleton, and my conversations yesterday about it, um, there was a person who came into the estate, an innocent person who came into the estate, who ended up being stabbed. Uh, we were in touch with Garda Press with regards to that, um, because uh, we told them also we were having residents coming on air regarding the ongoing situation in the area. Um, and we asked them about the stabbing, and they said, Garda, you were investigating an alleged assault that occurred in a residential area in Middleton in the early hours of Thursday, the 22nd of June. One male received medical attention at the time of the incident 
investigations are ongoing. And this is uh, regarding the stabbing in the Avoncour area, Middleton, on Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Uh, so, I mean, investigations are ongoing, so we need to allow them to get on with that. But other investigations are ongoing as well. Joanne, good morning. Hi, how are you? So, a lot of emails and calls yesterday from the good people who have to live alongside alongside all of this carry on, particularly the next door neighbours. Are there updates? Um, no, not really. Well, one of the neighbours actually went on to some website, Land Direct, I think it's yeah. called. So there is an update in the sense you found who owns yeah, the empty house. so it's some mortgage company. So we got on to them this morning, but um, they're based in Dublin. So the Dublin office wasn't ringing, so I'm sure it was Northern Ireland I got through to. And basically... They had no idea about the property. So they ha- it's um, start mortgages um, have yeah. the property, yeah. But they didn't know that they had they, an empty... They yeah. hadn't a clue. Um, and then, like, I gave her all the information about what was going on. She took notes and she said she'll pass it on to the Dublin office. But then she turned around and asked me, did the council not do anything? No, it's so, a private house. Yeah, that's what I said. So... People are still going back and forth trying to say this person's to blame, you know? Yeah. So what do they intend doing about a property that they own, or at least they own the mortgage or whatever went on with that home? That but got... they, it, it actually stated as well it's been owned since 2019. So All right. For four years it's just been sitting okay. there. And does anybody know, who was in it before? Was it, was it a family and there was an issue with the mortgage? Or I don't mean to overly pry, but what was the story before it was vacant? He, the person who was um, who owned it before, he was renting it out. So there was. Like, so whoever had the mortgage on it was a landlord. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. So they had no idea that they had a property there, but they're looking into it. Um, they're looking into it. They said, yeah. Yeah, you would kind of think that they would know, wouldn't you? Because especially people... in a housing crisis, like you think you know that you have a house just vacant sitting there. Well, I mean, it's not vacant. Everyone's in and out, like. Right. But. Okay, but there, there's squatting there, and there's parties yeah. there, and there's antisocial behaviour, and the shouting yeah. and roaring. We heard it all yesterday. Um, so, what, what, do, what do you think is going to happen next? I've no idea. Like she said, oh, um, we'll try to get back to you. I can't guarantee that it's today. But so it's just a waiting game now again, really. Yeah. And what, what would you expect them to do? Send somebody Come down. down and board up the house, get them out and board it up. Okay. Like okay. it's not it's not one bit safe and as you said yesterday about the fire or anything, you know, like you just don't know what could happen. Mm. Mm. So it needs to be boarded up. Like they're not even looking after it anyway. The house is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, but they weren't even aware of it. Start mortgages service eight nineteen thousand residential mortgages in Ireland, many of which are owned by the firms known as vulture funds, and they specialise in owning distressed debt. Apparently, that's what that's about. Uh, at least they are aware of it. Um, and were you just going to give it maybe twenty four hours, maybe, and see if they actually do something about it? Yeah, and if not, we're just going to have to get some sort of solicitor's letter and get it sorted because, like, there's a long summer there. So no, kids w- w- are out playing. Yeah. So you would be, you will be taking legal advice to send a solicitor's letter to the to start mortgages. Well, I mean, we're going to have to if they don't respond or if they don't take any action. Yeah. You know, they. That's a good they, idea. They're responsible, like for for the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you have found who's responsible for it. That's probably a good idea. But they to, haven't uh, even confirmed that they are. But it's written from the the website Land Direct that it is them. So 
they are the owners. Like okay. they haven't confirmed it. Okay, okay, okay. Stay, stay in touch because I'll be getting legal advice on your behalf as well. It's just taken a little longer than I'd expected, unfortunately. But at least that's something in the right direction. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. A lot Thank of te- thanks so much, Joanne. A lot of text on it yesterday. The police in Northern Ireland brought in the Special Powers Act during the Troubles. The Gardaí should be given something similar to deal with anti-social behaviour and drugs. If there was a government will, they would find a way to strengthen and protect our Gardaí on the front line. And if you're a law-abiding citizen, you'd have no problem with this. Another one, I know of a house that was like that a few years ago uh, near my sister's house. The guards never did anything. A few weeks later, someone went into the place and the house was burnt down. It was a good move because the trouble and people hanging around stopped. The estate is good again. Thank God they're all happy. Now, that's all very well that that worked out very well in that regard. But these are terraced houses. So if uh, anything were to happen, if you had a party in there that got out of control, for instance, and the house went on fire, houses left and right of it but also have families in them. I mean, that's why I think that this really is a, is a very important matter. And the Gardaí should have better powers in intervening without having to look for you know, stupid search warrants that have a particular date and an hour on them. Uh, half a dozen baseball bats would do the trick, Neil. Somebody else says, call the guards as much as you like. The only way to get them out is by taking the owner of the house to court. Uh, another one here, morning, regarding the house in Middleton. Start by cutting off the services, water and electric, if it's not already done. If it's owned by a bank, that bank should be named and they need to take the relevant steps in securing the house and making it safe. That's an excellent question. I, am, I would imagine at this stage that there is no power. There may well be water, but I can't imagine that there would be power. I get, to, I get the frustration of the residents in this situation, but here we are again this week with more callers criticising Gardaí. I'm sick to death of it. At a time when Garda morale is at an all-time low, I'm disgusted that ye, as a local media outlet, are continuing to facilitate Garda bashing, says a Garda wife. It's unfortunate you feel like that, but do you, never, do you not ever get a sense that there's balance, though, at least, um, that it's not just a free-for-all? I'd be disappointed if you don't agree with me there. If you think the Cork homeless drug heads are different, you're mistaken. Uh, One got a house next door to us two years ago. I suffered like the good people in Middleton and the other good people you had on yesterday from Bantry until the council eventually evicted them. So I would say I know more about them than you do. Well, well, you do because you have case history and you've been through it. I accept that. Yesterday I was talking to Gordon about this kind of carry-on. This fella got himself got his own house. He may have mental health issues, the misfortune in Bantry. He has his own place, a two-bedroom. But unfortunately, I get the impression that in the Bantry case, this man has been taken advantage of by uh, ne'er-do-wells and, and scumbags who were using his house to party in, and he's afraid of them. Anyway, keep those texts coming. Text 0868 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Next 0868-104-106. Uh, the tide wouldn't take you out was another chat-up line rebuttal from earlier on this morning. Another person says, here's another one. Only a sniper would take you out. The tide wouldn't take you out. You have a face like the back of the 208 bus. If I had a dog that looked like you, I'd put a bag over his head, shave his bum and make him walk backwards. <laughs> That's the rebuttal to the corny chat-up lines for you. And there's many more like that, incidentally, so do keep them coming. Lie down there, I think I love you. It's worked for me a number of times, says Pat. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Uh, how do you like your eggs in the morning? will not say any more than that. Uh, some of them actually are just probably, I can't read them all out because some of them just not acceptable anymore. Another one here. Hi, hi, how are you? I wouldn't throw you out of bed for eating potatoes. <laughs> Uh, girl, your legs must be wrecked because you're running through my mind all night long. Give me a break, will you? Give me a break. Uh, walk up to a girl and say, 
um, Fat Penguin. She'll say, what? And you'll say, oh, nothing. I'm just trying to break the ice. (coughs) Got to be the corniest one I've heard in a long time. Uh, And one more. Um, Chat up line in the 80s. Yeah, we did that one, actually. Thank you. That's the Phil Linnett line. Have you any Irish in you? Um, Another one. My friend wants to know, will you meet me? That's probably the coward's approach, I suppose. Um, uh, You should listen to Weird Al Yankovic's song, Wanna Be Your Lover. It's full of chat up lines, says Mark in ovens. Um, The Baldy Barber sent one in, then he says... um, uh, I'm not perfect, but I'm perfect for you. <laughs> Very few of them, actually, that are kind of five-star. Anyway, to more serious matters, out to tower we go since Monday, no water. Fionn, good morning. Morning, how's what, it going? What's, what's the story? Like, this is Thursday. You've had nothing since Monday. Yeah, the water went out about uh, 10 a.m. on Monday, um, but no no warning, now, to be fair. No, no. Was there a notice in advance? No, no, it was, in, in, to their credit now, it was a burst water main, um, so hardly, hardly something they, they could have told us about in advance, but I think the gist of it really is that the communication has been uh, very poor from Irish Water. Um, on the Irish Water website, you can check it, like, you know, similar to the ESB power checker. Um, at, on Monday, it said it would be back by 5 o'clock, then come 5 o'clock, the time just disappeared off it, and it just went dark uh, with no water. Um, now, I want to credit uh, Councillor Damien Boylan, um, who has been keeping everybody very up to date, and he's been on Irish Water and the City Council pretty regularly, and, and without him, to be honest, we'd just be wondering where the water's gone at this stage. Yeah, but, but uh, do, you, do you know where the burst pipe was, and are they working on it all of the time? The burst pipe got fixed, I believe, but then what happened was, uh, and, and all this has come from Damien, is that the pump up at the up the Kerry Road has failed alongside it and um, they haven't been able to fix it. They have been manually, I believe, filling the reservoir at the top of the road with tankers of water, but I think I can probably speak for those of us further down the line. Um, I'm on Kylie's Lane. The water, a little bit of water came out of the tap yesterday for about 15 minutes. Not enough pressure to get it up to the attic to fill up the tanks up there. Uh, and then it was gone again, and, and there was a good bit of mucky water, as you'd expect. Okay. When it what is it like when, you know, I know what it's like when you're, say, for instance, without a mobile phone for a few days or what have you. But what's it like without water for four days? Well, you're rationing, aren't you? Like, so, I mean, there's a, there's a pile of dishes sat there waiting to be washed. There was a pile of wash, and I took them to one of those um, washing machines out in Tesco yesterday to get some stuff done, because um, we, we just don't know when we're going to get it back, hopefully tonight, but... You know, you're, you're rationing when you flush the loo. Luckily, we have we, we put in two bigger tanks a few years ago into our attic, so we've been sparing with that, so we've been able to, to flush the loos periodically. But, uh, yeah, you know, we have two small kids, and, and I'm sure there's people in worse situations than us. Not, not that I'm saying we're, we're badly off. No, yeah, right, listen, but. I'd say there'd be few enough people that put, put in two big tanks. We all have just a kind of a standard one, and when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. No, I mean, look, look it's nearly empty. I had a look there yesterday now, to be fair, but... But uh, look, we're, we're not the worst off. But like, I, I think I think the lesson here is that Irish Water has been really poor in communicating with the residents of the area. Um, I don't honestly think it should fall to a, a, a city councillor or a politician in general to tell people they should be doing those updates. They should be doing those updates on whatever grid maps they use for different zone yeah, areas. They have yeah. been updating it, but but very vague. No commitment on time. No no kind of explanation. And, and Damien's been providing that, but like. You know, we're, we're not Egypt's, right? We, we yeah. need to know when, when water is coming back. And if it's going to be a week, come on and say it's going to be a week. Um, now, they did put a tanker up by the graveyard today. I think at, at about 10 o'clock, I think it arrived for people who want to go up and fill up tanks. 
Uh, but that's that's now Thursday. It's been off since Monday, so it was it was finally done today. It's been a long today. time coming. You, you, you know what? We take these things for granted, don't we? Turn the tap on. There's always water there. We we don't realise how valuable it is, and it's a really important resource until it's gone. Yeah, I always say the same. Power and water, uh, the two things that you really take for granted. And would there be many people off? affected there? I, I don't know the numbers, but I mean, there's a lot of houses in Tower. It's a big, it's a big village, right? It's you know, I think there's technically more people living in Tower than there is in Blarney. Itself. Well, there you go. It's a lot of people then. Uh, you of know, people. Now, I, I don't believe every estate is off. I think, but it's kind of coming down the Kerry Road and along towards Clarow has been impacted. I believe. Yeah, it's kind of dragging. Uh, it's it's dragging good, on. Good, good whack of houses. Yeah. yeah. So no showers or baths or anything like that at the moment. No showers, no baths. Yeah, baby wipes and what have you. So uh, and then very sparingly flush to do and uh, very yeah. quickly hand washing and. and say we are fortunate that we put in those tanks a few years ago but um, you know other people are probably long long, long emptied out the tank in the yeah. attic at this stage yeah. a lot to be said for having your own well <laughs> well yeah I was chatting to somebody on the, who's further up the lane on us and uh, I was telling them about the water and, and they were all it's one of the few times in life that having the well at the back is, is, is to their advantage there you go although with the latest thing we're hearing about septic tanks leaking I uh, don't know about that it's hard to know what's yeah. good and what's bad anymore listen we'll check with the media department of Irish water and see if we can get clarity as to where it is this is day four surely be to God they've got the I, I think the latest update well from Damien was that hopefully by tonight that that pump I think the new pump is due in and it'll be installed but um, you know that we're talking I, I'd say pessimistically I, I'm uh, at best I'd say by 8 o'clock tonight but I mean that's pure pure guesswork ok ok and, and who knows well, we'll, we could run into it tomorrow again we'll yeah. ask them anyway just to see if there may be some good news on the horizon um, thanks for that Fionn appreciate it my Bye. man morning to everybody in tower unfortunately you're going through a tough time but we don't realise it we take these things for granted don't we um, with regards to businesses who uh, bring on students for trial don't hire them and don't pay them it's totally illegal businesses should not be allowed to take advantage of workers no matter what age they are this happened to me a few years ago in town the welfare paid a company to have me work there on the YEWSS scheme a few weeks later the job was offered uh, to uh, offered a, the, the job was offered a contract deal by the welfare stating that they would pay half my wages with the company and the company let me go after the contract was given and the scheme was up. I was just used like a skivvy for the length of the scheme only. You were actually, and they only did it to you because the 50% of the wage paying by welfare came to an end. That's shocking. Places like this should always be named and shamed. People can vote with their feet. It's despicable. Um, Yes, it is widespread. My friend's son had the same experience. The poor lad bought black trousers, bought a shirt as requested, worked two nights and was told he was no longer needed. It was disgusting, really. And just another few. This is so unfair. There are some really good, hard-working young people out there who would love a part-time job. I had an experience exactly like this myself many years ago, just before college. It's been going on longer than people think. Unpaid trials. I worked at least a partial shift uh, for a company to get to see what I can do. Uh, It's not that unreasonable to work a partial shift. Yeah, but you're not answering the question. Were you paid for that partial shift? You know, were you given something for your time? I've heard similar stories of a well-known restaurant in town doing that, and this was from years ago. So if it's the same place, then it's been going on for that long. I won't name it, as I can't be sure that it happened at that restaurant, but maybe other people have heard of it happening in there down through the years as well. And somebody else saying it's more commonplace than you may think. People are really taking advantage of young people. I suppose they might be a bit naive and a bit innocent and are easily taken advantage of. When you've got a few years under your belt, of course, 
uh, you tend not to be taken advantage of as much. Uh, text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm still with um, that precious resource water. Go ahead. Yes, we take it for granted, but people beware because when the water is for a continuous number of hours, what happens is people drain out their tanks and they drain out the lines. Uh, then when the water come back in, you have a combination of, of air in the pipes and the sudden gush of water. What what happens nine times out of ten is that they'll pull the joints in the point in the pipes. Um, this this could be more dangerous up in the attics. So, like, if you have a leak, leak up in the, the attic, there's only one way to come in, and that's down. Well, what impact would that have then on, say, a washing machine or a dishwasher? Well, they're, they're forewarned at the moment. You see, the water, there's nobody using the washing machine now because the water is not there. So, they, but when they, it comes they, back, they, I'm saying. Well, you want you want to make, you want to make sure that your, the water is going into the washing machine before you turn it on, you, and that, that, that's normally when you press the, the start button, the water you, comes out first in the, in the washing machine, so you you know you're okay there. But to, to the combination of real pressure and the sudden gush of water along the pipes, and normally normally the pressure won't be the same as it was before, mm. because mm. you know when when the water is turned back on. Uh, they they okay. usually speed they usually speed it up so that people get it faster. So like when you we just say you turn on your kitchen sink tap, there'll be an enormous burst of air come out of that. And It'll be spluttering and stuff, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And the, you see, if it's happening there on the tap, it's it's affecting the connections along the line. So you could pull a connection under the sink would be okay to a point that, that you'll you'll right. see the water coming out. But up up in the attic can be very dangerous. It could destroy your ceilings and your house and come straight down. All right, my friend. So beware when it does come back on. It's happened to you, and it could happen to others when they come back on entire. Thank you for that. Uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. And talking about things that happened. I'm just hearing this morning. The most awful thing. Now, it's not here. It happened in Bangkok Airport. Do you know the moving walkways? You know, the escalators that we, we stand upon and walk up. I mean, we've heard stories in the past. I remember hearing the last time I dealt with this was some, some young child lost a finger on a moving escalator in a department store. That was awful. But uh, this story is the moving walkway at Bangkok Airport. They call them travelators. A woman tripped, right? And she got stuck in the moving travelator and the photographs that I've seen of it are shocking female passenger she's lost her leg uh, it literally I know it's awful thing to be talking about this hour of the morning but it literally the, the photograph has her entire leg is between the walkway and the travelator part that actually moves you know where it is where you step onto it and we don't know what's happening below um, the walkway underneath but the moving travelator apparently completely and utterly um, just ripped her leg to bits they're now trying to get her out and they're trying to save the rest of the limb to hopefully not have to um, engage in further amputation and she's just sitting there I mean it's awful um, it's just terrible these photographs and then next to her is her, is her suitcase Anyway, that, that's uh, that's another story for another day, I suppose, but it's shocking. Um, people on phones, uh, and again, uh, this is um, a little uncomfortable because, again, there's a Garda wife who says that people engage in far too much Garda bashing. Uh, I see them on their phones all of the time. Uh, they have enough equipment in their cars, so they don't need to be on their phones as all the emergencies are on their system 
not their phones. Uh, I remember seeing three Gardaí on bikes speeding through the red lights at Bishopstown Roundabout heading towards Ballancolic. I thought there must have been an accident, but as I drove out towards Ballancolic, they were parked up catching people for speeding. Um, your call is right. I see Gardaí on the phone while driving all the time. I also saw them once coming down uh, out of Dino's in Bishopstown, turn on the blue lights and sirens and head into the Bishopstown Garda station out of the car with a big brown bag I felt like picking up a bottle of vinegar in the shop and dropping it into them says Liam uh, that's unfortunate that's unfortunate there are no speed limits in Ireland in the morning and in the evenings uh, people don't know the difference between a motorway a dual carriageway and a two lane road all of these people for some reason have full licences you take your chance on Irish roads full stop uh, so are you telling me now that we cannot criticise the Gardaí even if they are abusing their powers the media in this country are a joke. I'm not saying that. I just don't want to be engaging in overly bashing members of the force. And I'm happy to read out texts, but I also come, it comes with a caveat that people are telling me accurate stories. I always work on the premise that they are. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. With regards to the trashing of the house in Avancore and making the neighbours in the park lives miserable, Paddy says start mortgages won't own the property. They'll be managing the property for a personal entity. If you want to know who owns a property, look on the registry of deeds to see who owns it now. Uh, says Paddy. I will be coming back to the story. I'm working on the premise now that start mortgages are, if they are um, managing it for whomever, that they, I'm, I'm, I know that they will investigate this and they will get on to whoever owns it, a reputable company that will just do the right thing and help the residents in Avoncourt and indeed let the person who owns it know what's going on in their property. Um, there could be a, another reason why the person doesn't know or start mortgages don't know. You don't know what happens with people's mortgages or loans anymore. So you don't. Um, and then with things that we owe, uh, the television license, I got a reminder emailed to pay my TV license two weeks ago. I haven't had RTE for years and I paid every year. I thought we have to pay that license um, just because we have a TV in the house. Otherwise, we go to prison to watch it for free. Should I pay it now or should I just put the money towards an electricity bill? I suppose some people are. Um, you, you, you may not watch television, um, but if you have a TV or a laptop or anything or a mobile phone or anything like that that has a screen on it, you are obliged by law to pay the television license. Now, I am going to say, Your Honour, I feel obliged to suspend payment of my television license until this matter has been resolved. Uh, another text. RT lives in the 1960s. They still think they're a monopoly and nothing more than the propaganda department of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Make it pay per view. Full stop. The license is a joke. I haven't watched RT in years, says somebody else. Why shouldn't they have to pay Anyway, as they get money from... Why, why shouldn't... What, I suppose what you're saying is we shouldn't have to pay. They just get money from advertising. Um, I'd say they've been backhanding more than just Private Ryan. No, I mean, many people have come out now and they've given their own salaries and they've said, yes, the published salary is correct. So there's lots like that. But yesterday, of course, we did have the first of two uh, committees. Uh, that would have been the media committee yesterday where they were uh, quizzed by TDs uh, and senators and people like that. Um, some of the, those asking questions were strong. Some weren't. I thought there was too many of them. They didn't need that many. A lot of it was repetitive because the same types of questions were asked over and over again, as in who knew what and when. And the impression that you get from those that were there from RTE was that they were living in their own little bunker or their own little silo. Nobody talked to each other. Nobody questioned anything. And if the director general said it was OK, then everything should be fine. 
course, clearly that's not the way you run a huge, big state funded company but uh, undoubtedly that will change uh, but Richie was in touch actually because part of yesterday involved uh, Matty McGrath um, the TD Matty McGrath now some of the red tops are having a good laugh over this um, because they couldn't when they were asked when he was asking questions those that he was addressing to questions too including the deputy uh, director general who's um, sitting in until the new guy comes along didn't know what Matty McGrath was saying he thought he was saying lying um, instead of loyal. I know I'm, I'm trying to describe it, but the audio actually does justice to it better. Uh, Richie says, the, that exchange should tell us everything we need to know about the Dublin-centric, toffee-nosed RTD4 establishment who can't understand what people from around Ireland are saying when they're speaking. But this is part of it. It's about two minutes of Matty McGrath from yesterday's uh, media committee. Putin wouldn't get away with some of the tricks that you got away with. And I hate you in that parallels, but this is... This is Billy McGash. Go back to Frank Hall. Goodness gracious. We've come a long way since then, but you must take the public for complete patches and folds. And the poor people who are paying the taxes and paying the license fees. And then you're here making the case for extra license fees. I ask again, who are you lying to? Who, who, who are you supposed to serve? Can I just ask one question? Who are we lying to about what? Lyle to. Lyle. Loyal to. Loyal. Sorry. I didn't accuse right. you of lying. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Well, the absolute number one relationship is with the audience. That is the primary thing, and that's what's been shattered here in terms of public trust, and that's what makes this so egregious. But the questions have been asked about the top-up payments and who else was going to take on, and I want to mention the personality, who else is going to pay? We were told that back in, the, in, the, in 2010, that the presenters might go mostly BBC or elsewhere. You also were dealing with um, uh, uh, um, Mr Kelly, and he were doing this uh, payments to um, a British company. And I'm not being anti-British here, but Brexit, do they have any worries here dealing in that, in that kind of a manner? So the, the, my understanding is that the barter company is based in the UK? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all of the barter companies um, are based in the UK. There are no barter companies in Ireland. None. Barter. But we go back to the fair days and we had the barter and we make the deal and spit in the hands on you to go to England for now. This, no is, this, is, this is a really very... But the barter shouldn't be this. I mean, your public service countable. Uh, you shouldn't be, have to have barter and private deals with companies to pay to guarantee someone that if the, the barter didn't set up, that the money didn't take up, the, the taxpayers would pick it up. Well, well one, one of the, our obligations under, under the Broadcasting Act is to maximise commercial revenue. We only take these campaigns when we have airtime that otherwise we will get zero money for. So uh, it's, uh, it's less than 0.05% of our <coughs> overall revenue. But we do take, uh, there, there's not a large number of them, but we do take them because otherwise we would earn zero money for that particular airtime. Okay, so that part of it isn't actually only... relevant to it, but it goes on and on like that. But the part where there was very interesting was as to whether or not they're going to understand what Matty McGraw was saying. I actually watched it yesterday and I thought he was saying who are you lying to? Lying to. It turned out he was saying who are you loyal to? Loyal to. Um, uh, we'll have more on this obviously tomorrow because there will be another committee today 
which is the uh, public accounts and I'd imagine that'll be fairly heavy hitting stuff back after the break but just ahead of that here's your qualifying question we've got a 400 euro voucher to give away for the furniture centre on the watercourse road every day this week we'll play 30 seconds we'll take caller 9 and 10 I'll give you 30 seconds I'll give you as many hints as I can Whoever gets the most correct wins the daily prize of a 400 euro voucher for the Furniture Centre in Blackpool. So here is your qualifying question. Callers 9 and 10 to play 30 seconds. Which Irish author wrote Ulysses in 1922? Actually, a core connection as well. Which Irish author wrote Ulysses? in 1922. Call us 9 and 10 on 0818 104 106. 400 euro voucher. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Texter says, why would people would people stop knocking Ryan Tuberty and cast your minds back to the toy show when Ryan put a smile on many kid, little kids they were, that were being bullied and mistreated by others? What price can you put on a beautiful child smiling? Move on people, get over it. Um, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable watching yesterday because you saw the amounts of money that was exchanging hands and the role of an agent in this and the different departments in RTE and, uh, you know, the deal with Renault and the payments that were side-channeled. Um, it sounds as if there was a lot from the RTE perspective of a lot of lies being told and everybody then was hunkering the wagons and saying, not my problem, nothing to do with me. We'll have to see what happens this afternoon. Of course, the papers now have moved on and wondering about whether or not Ryan Tuberty will ever be back on air again. I think that's probably... Oh, a question that can't be answered anytime soon. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. But undoubtedly, I'd imagine the one person that is really suffering on a personal level, and that is uh, Ryan Tuberty. Text 086-8104-106. I told you earlier in the week of uh, this crazy dude from Kerry who wants to um, have a pint of Guinness in every Irish bar around the world. He's done some already. But according to our calculations, there are 6,425 pubs to go. And that's Colm Dalton, and he joins me uh, by phone. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm grand. A little more sane than you are, I think, last time I checked. I hear that, I hear that one of those pubs, actually, is a pub in, um, in Kampala in Uganda where they ship the Guinness to the pub along a donkey trail. Is that right? Uh, and then another one um, called Bubbles O'Leary's. <laughs> are these the kind of places you hope to go? These are some of the more obscure ones. Yeah, Bubbles O'Leary's was transported brick by brick to Kampala in Uganda. Uh, so that's, that's on the list. And there's one, the one where they have the Guinness and the donkeys is it's in the foothills of, of the, the Himalayas. Himalayas. My apologies. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I confused the two. How many have you done so far? So far, Neil, the latest count is 75 in 41 different countries. Oh, my God. You haven't even the back broken on it yet then. How long is it going to take? Well, I I did some basic maths, right? And the the statistics say there's 6,500 in the world. So... (laughs) Basic math suggests that I should be able to do it if I live for about, if I see about 20 a year and if I live to be about 200. Now, <laughs> I, that's my plan. I'm not sure how successful I'll be, but I'll, I'll enjoy it on okay. the way. Definitely. Okay. Because there are those of us that would avoid Irish pubs overseas. You're seeking them out. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and I totally get that as well. And some people do say, what are you doing? But I think they, they fall into two or three camps. Some of them are awful absolutely awful the ones which is called Irish pub where they've just spent the budget on old milk churns and wagon wheels on the wall but some of them when they're good are are brilliant beautiful places really really nice and they in some countries as well you don't have a pub so the Irish pub is your only option 
So tell me about the Cork one. Was that a particularly good one, the Corkonian in Cologne? The Corkonian, it was a particularly good one. Now you can tell it's quite good because all the fake ones are usually called Dublin. Dublin because they go, all right, what's in Ireland, Dublin? So the fact it's called Corkonian suggests, all right, it's going to be a little bit different. Someone's done their homework. And because... Cologne is twinned with Cork, right? It's a twin city, and the colours of Cologne are red and white. Works. And Cologne, as well, is a city of culture, um, and they're also very self-assured. In how Cologne. can you, they, Yeah, but how can you? How can you do this? I mean, you're a teacher. You're working. Uh, where would you find the time? And 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 how do you plot where to go next? Um, to to be honest, well. I do a bit of research and I plan to go to about maybe four or five places in a year. So during the course of the year, I kind of say, all right, this, this period I'll try to go somewhere and this period I'll try to go somewhere. And then in terms of where to go, I just look for where I haven't been before. And then you can get very cheap flights. You know, if you want to go to, I don't know, you want to go to Poland during, during the winter, you'll get a quite cheap flight. And so I did that this year, went to Krakow. So I think because you're not too fussy where you go, you can find a chance to do it and a little bit of research as well. Five minutes on Google, Irish pub, which one looks the best? All right, that's it. Yeah, but you, you couldn't get a cheap flight to the Azores, but yet you were in an Irish pub in the Azores. The Azores was a great one. I tell you, it was a beautiful pub. Very, very nice. What's yeah, it called? That was, the Dubliner, is No, this one's called Ned Kelly's and this is a real one as well. It was called Ned Kelly's by some fella from Belfast. He's Australian, for God's sake. What are they at? I, well, I think maybe the rebel spirit is maybe what the similarity was. <laughs> it's an Australian uh, pub. <laughs> uh, but it was beautiful because there's nothing around in about 2,000 mile radius and you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and then they have this nice pub with really good Guinness and yeah, you're saying, wow, fair play to them. And is it the one Guinness you have, is it? Oh, that depends. If it's a total, if it's, if it's a place like called Irish pub in the town square uh, where they're just showing Premiership games and it's English football fans. I'll go for a very quick one and get out. If it's a if it's a nice pub, a nice place with a nice atmosphere, bit of live music, I'll stay for a couple, two or three. Have you yeah. had mawkish pints of stout though? I uh, not as bad as you would think. I've had Warm. worse pints in London. I've had wor- worse pints in London, to be honest, than at some of the places. The only place I didn't have a pint was in Singapore because it was nineteen euros. So I said. <laughs> I'll stick to the local one. I, I, I refuse to pay 19 euros. That was the only place I didn't have a Guinness, actually. Yeah, OK. Um, you know, Guinness probably should be sponsoring you, right? Are they giving you any money to help you on your travels? They should be, yeah. I have, I've been in touch with them. I've, I've been in touch to, tri- to sow the seeds, drop the suggestion. Um, they're contemplating it, so, I think, judging by their silence. Yeah, well, people can follow you, as you know, on the on your... on your Is it a website, is it? Public publicanenemy.com it is Publican that's en- right yeah what, so what what would tick the boxes for the perfect Irish pub um, like does it does it involve Irish food a stew does it involve potato crisps or what, what is it oh that's a very good I think I've narrowed it down through through extensive research I think I've narrowed it down George Orwell had a he, he wrote an essay called The Moon Underwater which described his perfect pub but that was an English pub and I disagree with Orwell uh, in many places because a good Irish pub music it's got to have music has to and that could be a trad session or a little bit of music or the music that they play not too loud so you can have a chat music is key music is very very key decent pint of Guinness 
serviceable that the staff know how to do. Bar staff as well, very important. You want a fella who's able to like serve five customers at once, pulling at pints with his elbows. That's <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs> Table service, bring the pint over, um, and a place that has a bit of character. Are I you... was in one recently. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I I was in one in Ghent recently, and it was by the canal, and in the in the beer garden they had a big massive mural of Book of Kells and I was just like this is nice this is class uh, and it was a lovely spot yeah you're going to Bangalore next in India right <laughs> this is yeah that's one of the possibilities that's one that's, I have a friend who told me that they've just opened a new Irish pub in Zanzibar which I call Swinging Mickey's which I'm kind of <laughs> contemplating going to because that one sounds quite good my friend was from there uh, but then for sure I'm going to Rome in July and going to Rome and when in Rome have a pint and do you tell them in these Irish pubs as you go around what you're doing I do I speak to some of them and I talk to some of the people there and I talk to them and say why did you come to this pub do you know anything about Ireland and I talk to some of the bar staff as well and I tell them and I show them and some, some are very interested and they follow me and some people just go yeah fair play do you want to drink or not so it's a but do, like if you were to go into each of those pubs and say I am in the course of my lifetime in the throes of visiting 645 <laughs> 6425 Irish pubs around the world I'd like a pint of Guinness please they would surely give it to you for free in, including the one for 17 euro in Singapore Ideally, yes. Well, I, I suppose I can build up now a bit of a presence and, and kind of say, yeah, I, when I get more under my belt, you know, I can go... You're in an and, influencer I mean, now. Influencers pay for nothing. <laughs> that would be the dream. You know, to walk into, like, you know, somewhere in the Bora Bora and they got a pint there for you. I get that in <laughs> Kerry, but I don't get it anywhere else. <laughs> All right, I'd love to stay in touch with you on your travels. That would be fun. <laughs> Just to see yes, how things very are very welcome. Yes, yes. Okay, my man, and others can do so as well. We'll be in touch. Do stay in touch. Don't be a stranger, all right? Mind yourself. I won't. Thanks very much. Love to talk to you. Bye-bye. You too, Colm Dalton. Fair play. Oh, Colm, before you go, there's a Swiss pub called the Green Harp in Switzerland. It's yeah. par- it's a, I don't know if you know it. It's part of the Parc Hotel de Savage. It's a fabulous mm. hotel. It's where, it's where um, apparently, uh, where Sherlock Holmes died when Moriarty and himself fell off the cliff. It's called the Green Harp. They're fabulous people, and it's run by a cork man. Write that nice. down. You'll definitely nice. get a free pint there. I will now, definitely, for sure. All right, pal. Your name. <laughs> Take care. Mention my name. Bye-bye. Not a bother. Anybody that goes there and mentions my name, they'll get a pint. So you can follow Colm on publicanenemy.com. That's his website. Um, tell you what i got to do. i I got I to play my comp, guys, so I'm not going to be able to get many more calls on the air. I don't think I'll be able to get any calls on the air this side of midday at this stage because on line one, we have Susan O'Donovan and Clonic Guilty. Susan, good morning. Hi, good morning. How's it going? And we got Anne O'Connell at Illancourt in Toker. Morning, Anne. Morning, Neil. How okay, are you? good, thanks. You're first up, Susan. So, do you know the answer to the qualifying question, please? Yes, uh, James Joyce. Correct, the Irish author who wrote Ulysses in 1922. So, we've got 30 seconds. I've only seen these for the first time, so please um, be kind to me now if I make a complete hames of this, all right? So 30 seconds. Uh, Susan is first. Uh, will you keep an eye on these so we make sure we get the right ones right, if you don't mind? So 30 seconds. Where's my 30-second clock gone? It's moved. Here it is. And your clock start. Are you ready, Susan? I don't know. <laughs> I am. I am. Good for you. Clock starts now. Uh, the day of the year when we celebrate love. Valentine's Day. Good stuff. The uh, religious city in Israel. Uh, Palestine. No, it's a city. It's it's where where all of the uh, churches are near where Jesus was was crucified and buried. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And um, the English Prime Minister, but not Liz Truss, the one before her. Uh, 
Clarence. No, Jonathan. female, female, my apologies. A female. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. Dang it, man. Theresa May, would you have got it? I would have. Yes. <laughs> is, that, is that my fault? You ran, we ran yeah, out. Yeah, no, it's your fault. It's your fault, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate this game. Hold, hold on. Hold on, Susan. Let's see if Anne uh, can be. you got to be two, Anne, okay? No, that I will try anyway. Okay, and your clock starts now. Uh, the man who sang, Don't Forget Your Shovel. Not the, the singer, guitar player, The Voyage. We'll come back to it. Christy the, Moore. Christy Moore, Moore is right. The um, character from the cartoons whose nose kept growing longer and longer. Pinocchio. Okay, the guy behind Mrs. Brown's Boys. Brendan the band that had a big hit with uh, Hotel California. Diesel. And the man behind Faulty Towers. Basil. Basil wouldn't Diesel. have done it. John Cleese would, but fair John play. Cleese. You did really well. My apologies, Susan. It was my fault, but Anne got four. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never forgive me, will you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Public enemy number one down in Clannacilty. And we have a 400 euro voucher for the furniture centre. Off you go. Pick out something nice and enjoy it in Blackpool. That's All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's just the way the questions come up. Believe me. I'm explaining, so I'm losing. Lines will stay open. Text 0868104106. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106. And you can also email neil at redfm.ie. My apologies to everybody else that didn't get on the air this morning. We'll pick it up first thing in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.